This isn't funny, Amber. Would you like to play a game, Tara? so far. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Something about this one just feels different. Samantha? I'm... I know who you are. I've been through this. A lot. This is your life now, which means that whoever this is is going to keep coming for you. You ready? For this? Never. Oh, stop. Wait, wait, wait. There are certain rules to surviving. The attacks were all on people related to the original killers. Whatever his link is to our past, it's pulled us all back here. And I won't sleep until he's in the ground. Welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Up the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And we are in the middle of January 2022 already. Incredible. This is the first episode of the new year. Thank you for joining me. Um, not so much ground to cover, just more a lot of uh, waiting and anticipation, uh, as you just heard there. Scream, opening nationwide in theaters everywhere and was actually number one at the box office this weekend finally dethroning spider-man no way home which had a and continues to have a miraculous uh box office run considering the times that we're still in we're still in a pandemic omicron covid whatever's coming next it's not stopping people from going to the cinemas which uh helps my business very much so makes me happy uh, so that continues to make money. But yes, it got dethroned from the number one spot. Scream, the fifth installment. And kind of like, a, I guess you can call it a legacy sequel. Or a requel, as the new one is called. And I'll get to my review in just a bit. Check that out this past weekend. Grossed $30 million over the three-day weekend. And up to about, I think, 34 30 to 36 for the... MLK weekend, four day if you want to count Monday, but I usually go by Friday through Sunday. That's how I measure how a movie does, like financially opening weekend, whether it's a success or not. <clears throat> Off a $25 million budget, this is going to make some bank. It is considered a success. Uh, I'm super happy because Scream, uh, although horror is not my franchise, it is definitely the one that I consider my favorite. I grew up with these movies. 
the first one re- was released uh, in 1996, and I remember seeing that as a kid, and I was just, you know, enthralled with the, the young cast at the time, uh, Nev Campbell, uh, just the scream queen of my generation, Courtney Cox, who of course from famous from Friends as Monica Geller, so you had that going for it, just the whole appeal of it, um, slasher, just suspense, meta commentary, there's everything to love about the Scream franchise, and the sequels have been kind of hit or miss, you know, I, I like part two, uh, but it's not high on my rankings, number three, uh, gotta decide, uh, it depends on which day uh, I'm watching it, whether I like it or not. Scream 4, I did like a lot when it came back in 2011. Not a lot of people went to go see it, so I thought we would never see anything about the Scream franchise ever again. Dead, buried, whatever. Then a couple of years later, it got revived as a television show on MTV. So there was a lot of uh, awareness in the young generation about this movie. So there was a chance when I saw that they were going to make this one and they were going to bring back the original cast members, the original three, David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox. I was like, okay, this probably has a better opportunity now to make money because when Scream 4 came out in 2011, <clears throat> horror the genre hadn't really made a comeback at the box office like it's like it has in, in the last couple of years, you know. You figure with the arrival of the it, it for me basically it was the conjuring movies that really I think kickstarted this whole thing and ever since then like these are almost guaranteed box office hits uh every time they come out from like your Halloweens, they've redone that. Um all the spin-offs of the Conjuring universe, uh anything basically horror related does well. At the box office, you get good crowds for it, at least opening weekends. Those are usually front-loaded, and they die off. Um, so I knew this one probably had a chance. Now, how much were people going to care? Because, again, this is a, a franchise that's been around for a while now. So we're, we're almost, what, <clears throat> 30 years to the original release of the original, you know, if you if you want to believe that or not. Like, we, we're really close to it. So uh, are people going to care? But, again, with the... Uh, with the television show that they had on MTV. I forgot how many seasons that ran. I never watched it. Um, so there was awareness of the movie. And lo and behold, it got, uh, it's got great reviews going for it as well. So that's going to help it continue to make a uh, bank at the box office for the next couple of weeks because there really isn't anything, folks. Like huge, huge. And I'm not saying Scream is like the biggest of movies, but there isn't really anything like, you know, just that gigantic of a juggernaut until the Batman in March. Now in February, you got Moonfall, which I'm excited for. It's a Roland Emmerich disaster flick. The moon coming to attack Earth. What? <laughs> Wacky. Love it. Armageddon style. Um, and you got Jackass Forever, which is, again, I'm looking forward to. Um, people playing pranks and doing stupid stunts. That's never not going to be funny. Like, come on. Now, the question is, is are people going to care? Because I think the last one came out in like 2008, 2009, I want to say. So it's been a while. It's been a hot minute. And these guys are like really older now. You know, Johnny Knoxville's not shying away from him that he has like gray or white hair in this movie. So uh, it's it's known that these guys are like up there in age already. But this is kind of built as the last one. So we'll see how that does. But I'm not really expecting huge numbers. The last jackass opened to like 50 plus million. Now, would I be happy? Would I be thrilled if that happens? Absolutely. But 
I don't know. It's too early for me to gauge, but I'm not expecting it to be that high. But do I expect like diehards to turn out for the first couple of days? Probably. Um, so Scream and Spider-Man are going to have the box office to themselves to dominate. And I want to get into my review of, uh, of Scream. And before I get to it, folks, just want to say that today's episode will feature the return of Brandon McLaughlin, who you just heard a couple episodes ago uh, was on here and we discussed everything Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, and we're going to be doing that today, but we're going to be doing it for Cobra Kai Season 4, which has been out on Netflix now for a couple of weeks now. So the diehards and everybody that's been wanting to see it, I believe, have seen it already. So we're going to discuss it at full length. So he's going to be coming up. In just a few minutes here on the pod, right after I get, give you my review of the new Scream film. So, I'm all about like interesting sequel titles and not confusing the audience. So this new one is just titled Scream, like the original movie. Kind of like the way they did Halloween. And they redid uh, the original and brought back Jamie Lee Curtis. But they're, it's, it's a de facto Halloween, like part two, I think, or Halloween three. I don't know. I, I don't follow that franchise closely, but it's confusing. Scream, I thought that was going to be confusing as well. Um, because, I mean, you think Scream, you think of the original one in 1996. So how am I going to differentiate the two? But anyways, whatever. We're just, we're in these times now, right, where everything's getting rebooted and restarted. So they'll reuse the titles again. I mean, I'm sure whenever they reboot Back to the Future, they're just going to call it Back to the Future. And I... I grimace at the fact that they would remake that movie but i'm sure down the line whether i'm super old or whether i pass on at some point they're going to remake this movie because bob semeckis is not going to live forever and those rights will pass on and 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 they will remake that movie at some point it's inevitable but they'll call it that as well so i'm like eh, that kind of threw me off for a bit you know i'm I'm a stickler for having if or if you don't want to put part five uh uh Right after Scream, if you don't want to put a big five on it, put the five in place of the S and make the the edges of the fives like knives and you can be clever that way. I don't know. Be creative. Um, but whatever. That's just me nitpicking. Now, as far as the movie goes, holy shit was this, was this well made. Um, Scream has always been on the pulse of commentary on film culture and everything that's going on. So in essence, they've always been like ahead of the curve with this stuff. Like, you think back to Scream 4, and that was 2011, and we had kind of already been in this, like, remake, reboot kind of cycle that kind of got kick-started with Batman Begins, and then everybody kind of followed that blueprint to kind of restart their franchises. Some of them, you know, were successful, others, like, whiffed really bad. But when Scream 4 came out in 2011, I remember them poking fun at reboots and remakes and having fun with it. And, you know, even tying the very end of the movie saying, like, you don't mess with the original. And that's that's why that's why Nev Campbell, all of them came back because they were the ones that ended up surviving the ordeal. Uh, and they wanted to teach that lesson as a to Hollywood and, and, and the young youth who just want to, like, redo everything and, and just reboot and do the same thing. <clears throat> we're kind of getting the same thing here, although in this one, they're not the main focus of the movie. So. They're kind of pushed to the side. They're supporting characters. And this is where if you're going to bring back a franchise and if you're going to bring back uh, characters from the originals, you want to use them to complement the story, not overtake it, which I think that's where we ended up seeing mistakes with the Star Wars movies. 
You know, they ended up, everybody only cared about what happened with Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia. Not so much invested in the new characters. Maybe like in the first two movies, but then by the, by the time the third one, Rise of Skywalker came out, it was just all chaos and everything was just about servicing the fans and servicing the nostalgia. Um, they have done things right with certain franchises and, you know, I'm, I'm biased towards them a little bit, but I believe they've gotten it right. And that being the Rocky series and how they've continued it with Creed with Michael B. Jordan. And that's his story now. And Rocky was like a supporting character and now won't be involved in the next one. So they've evolved that series and moving forward and and doing something new. They're doing it with the Karate Kid franchise on Netflix, which I'm going to talk about with Brandon in Cobra Kai. They're continuing the story with new characters, but they have the older characters serving as like their quasi main characters but also like off to the side doing their thing while complementing the story um that's what this this new screen movie does <clears throat> and uh you get a lot of attention on the new characters uh first one played by melissa barrera latino latina led movie i love it i'm gonna stand for that i'm pushing for that let's get more latinas and latinos in hollywood movies and franchise movies um we can do it we can lead these movies um so she plays a character named Sam Carpenter. I'm not going to go into full spoilers. The movie's just out this week, and it's fresh. Um, Jenna Ortega's in this. Uh, plays the younger sister. Uh, there's a lot of twists in this movie where you think by seeing the trailer, you think you know where it's going to go, and it just throws you for a loop. And that's always been the brilliance of Scream is that they'll they'll turn it on you just when you think it's going to go where you think it might. Um, Neff Campbell... Courtney Cox, David Arquette were all great in their small roles. Again, they're pushed off to the side this time, but they still serve the overall large story going on in this. So they're important to what's going on. They're not just, you know, making cameos like they do serve purpose in this story. But more focus is putting on these new characters. And although they don't have like in no way, shape or form, do they like match like the original cast from the 1996 version. Um, But. You know, they at least give you enough stuff in there to care about these characters. Um, I'm, uh, I'm also was watching this movie as a, as a parent. And, uh, I know it's slasher flick. It's a little bit more violent, but I, I've got some girls that are about to hit the teenage road of their lives and they're a little bit more mature. And they actually got into this franchise through their own. I don't know how. Um, you know, they're on their own. They discover stuff that, you know, there's YouTube and stuff out there. Um, you know, I don't get to see them all the time. So, you know, I mean, but for the most part, they're, they're, they're good kids and they know how to separate fantasy from reality, but they became really invested in these screen movies. So I took them to go see it. It was really their first rated R movie that I take them into, which, you know, they may still be a little bit younger, but they're, I think already mature enough to handle like where, you know, they won't get scared or scream or throw a ruckus. So I, I was very impressed by how mature they were able to handle this movie. Me at that age, I don't know, but I'm just a wussy for these movies. So, I mean, I remember seeing the first Scream movie at home. I didn't go see this in theaters. I, I saw Scream 2 in the theaters, but I braved that watching it with friends. So that's a whole different story. But, you know, they're they're a little bit more mature than, than where I was at, at their age. So uh, kudos to them, and they enjoyed it a heck of a lot. Um, you know, they get brought in by people that they're that they recognize in the young cast and crew, like that Jenna Ortega. Like I had no idea she was from a a Disney television show, which 
my daughter watches and I when we were finished uh with with uh with our feature we were in the car and I was like that girl looks super familiar is that was that so and so from this show and they're like yeah that's her and I was like oh no way but it's cool how they're getting hooked by the newer cast and yes they they they've watched all the other ones so they're familiar with the older characters and again it's something that I get to relive through them so and again I didn't force any of these movies on them I've I'm very uh, I don't want to say I'm picky, but like you know, I ain't gonna show them like Kill Bill, you know, where that's ultra violent or something that has like a lot of sexual stuff in it, like an American Pie. I won't want show them that stuff. They're not ready for that stuff yet. But Scream, although violent, it also is not a full on like horror horror movie. There's a lot of elements of comedy and satire and social comment, not social commentary, but pop culture commentary. So they're able to handle it. They're mature enough. Like again, they they had no problems like separating what's fake and what's real. You know, they they don't have a problem distinguishing that, and they don't. They're not off like repeating lines from the movie or anything like that. But you know, it, it was a nice. It, it's a way to you know. It made me realize, man, like how fast like my kids are growing up, and uh, just to enjoy this time and really cherish it because by the time. The time I know it, they're going to be full-on grown adults, and this time will have just gone by like nothing. So, um, I got to enjoy Scream like as a double, like as a fan of the franchise with growing up with this, but also as you know enjoying it with my kids and them enjoying it, you know, from their side of things and 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 them getting in in tune with the young uh, cast in this movie. So, uh, I hope they make more sequels with this new cast. You know, I don't really think you need the the older crew anymore because you know you you, they did the movie just right where they brought them in to pass the torch complement the story but they can do the next one without them like i would be okay with that just like adonis creed and michael b jordan's gonna direct creed 3 and it's not gonna have rocky balboa in it or stallone so that i'm i'm excited for that like if you're gonna continue to bring back old franchises and ip you gotta evolve it and you gotta move the story forward you can't continue to rely on the past or not you're just rehashing the same old thing and some people like that don't get me wrong and i'm not saying they're wrong for it but you know that's not how you're gonna grow a franchise because and then and then you wonder why people get mad you know like with stuff that's going on right now with star wars and all the backlash of you know them ruining the rise of skywalker and you know the television series is kind of like they've lost a lot of buzz like it used to be like the talk when it was starting out but now it's just you know whatever um i think marvel has peaked a little bit but you know there's still a lot of fan bases for that but you got to move the story forward you got to do different things you got to you got to push it forward if you keep relying heavily on the past that'll hinder you and you will peak at some point and then people will just give up on it so Scream did a really good job here. A lot of callbacks, a lot of beats to the original movies, but again, they were moving it forward with a new cast and you know who they got for this movie. I think they did a really good job here. So highly recommend it. Again, there's not going to be much out for the next couple of weeks until Batman comes out. So I would recommend seeing this. I can't wait to see it again. Like I thought it was that that fun of a movie, and I can rank them for you right now. So I got the original Scream at number one. This new one at number two, yes, it was that good, even though I could probably use another viewing of it, but I thought it was that strong and that, um, you know, creative of a story and how to poke fun at 
the way everybody's doing these movies and bringing back old characters and just it was so meta like i love it like that's meta done right like the way the matrix resurrections did it was kind of like yikes that's not the way to do it scream did it in the right way and it works because it serves uh the story that they're telling for this um so i have that one at number two i have part four at three number two at four and then part three which i think by consensus by mostly everyone they have that one ranked last but i can still enjoy the whole scream franchise um and i hope they make more but again they can make it with this new cast and i'll be very happy and they don't have to bring back nev campbell and courtney cox and david arquette they serve their purpose is it nice to see them yes but does it get redundant if they were to do it again yeah cameo i'm fine with but they no longer have to be the main part of the story and that's the way it should be if you're going to do stuff like this that's going to do it for my scream review so let's take a quick break here and when we come back brandon mclaughlin joins the show and we're going to talk all things cobra kai and maybe i'll ask him about the dallas cowboys this past weekend on super wild card weekend the wounds are still fresh i'm still dealing with my wounds with the new england patriots getting shellacked by the buffalo bills but i took it like a man and uh maybe i'll ask him about that so stick around this is palace off the top rope we'll be right back 20 years later we're still doing the same stupid Uh. if they trust us to go to the bathroom they're less intelligent than i thought All right, folks, welcome back to the show. And in the house today, Brandon McLaughlin is back the first episode of the year, man. Happy New Year. You as well. Thank you so much for having me back. It feels like uh, just yesterday we were talking about Spider-Man, was it not? Right, and it and it still feels like it. I'm still seeing commercials for it. It's amazing how much uh, money this thing has generated, even like for my standards. like I kept a close eye on it, but not like as close as usual. Uh, but I saw today somewhere that it's about to pass Black Panther, which made... 700 million so that's insane domestic right yeah domestic so it's about to enter like the top five like of all time so that doing good for good for our business and good for for sony i guess on uh on generating all that so is it uh is it holding up against uh i haven't gotten around to seeing it is it holding up against scream or is scream going to take the box office scream did take the box office this weekend um but it's not like Spider-Man was that far behind. So Scream did 30 million this weekend. Spider-Man still brought in over 20. So, and I'm at work and people are still coming to this thing. Like our evening shows are still like jam-packed. Not like super jam-packed, but it's like we're selling a good chunk of tickets for it. So not like it was within the first couple of weeks of yeah. its release. Do you think you're going to see a spike, like a turnaround where it's going to overtake Scream in the, in the second weekend? Um, I don't know because Scream actually has good, uh, word of mouth right now. Um, I saw the movie myself and I thought it was fantastic. Um, it might have some legs just because, well, at least in my theater, um, horror movies tend to do have a longer set of legs, like Candyman for some reason lasted forever for us so i can see scream sticking around but as far as like nationally possibly it could be neck and neck because there really isn't going to be anything and like if we're talking huge huge not until the batman in march and the batman comes before uh the new harry potter spinoff one right the secrets of dumbledore yeah because that dumbledore movie will be in april so the only thing really between now with scream and spider-man out in batman is the new jackass movie possibly Getting some nostalgia in there, but I don't know. It's been so long since possibly. One of those. I almost, uh, I almost, I almost said Morbius, but I forgot they re, they moved it yes. back again. 
See, that would have helped us tremendously at the end of the month. So now we're looking at a really dead period until Batman. I mean, I get, I, I, maybe Jackass could do something because there's also that other movie. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the previous for it, Moonfall. Yes, like yes, yes, yes. Disaster, IMAX, end of the yeah. world type thing. I'm into those kind of movies, so um, maybe that'll do something. But I, I wouldn't bet like money on it, like I would for Spider Man or for Scream. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. So Spider Man's going to stick around like for a very while. But I think it's already going to premiere digitally, digitally, like on demand, like in the next few weeks. So mm-hmm. we'll see. If, like I mean, I'm sure people are still going to come out and see it in the theaters. It happened for Venom. We had Venom all the way up until Spider-Man premiered, and that had already been long on demand, and you can buy it to watch at home, but people were still coming out to see it. So I I can see the same happening for Spider-Man. So pretty awesome. Um, well, this is the, actually the, this is the first episode I'm doing of the year, so it's been very quiet, uh, at least on the movie front, up until this past weekend with Scream. Uh, this weekend we had the start of the NFL playoffs with Super Wild Card Weekend, which... Uh, Saturday, I, I got my beating. You know, my Patriots got a, a shellacking by the Buffalo Bills, which was kind of like long overdue because we had really been like the father of that whole division for so long and we dominated for so long and whipped ass for so long that I think at some point I knew we were going to get ours. And once I saw what the matchups were going to be and I knew how Buffalo was starting to ascend again, I was like, eh, I mean, would I, would I be happy if we won? Of course, but realistically i knew what we were going into but did i expect the beat down the way the bills gave to to bill belichick and mac jones you know i I didn't expect our defense to collapse like that i thought it would would at least be somewhat competitive but you know i got mine everybody came after me saturday night cool i expected it but i still showed up and i'm here every day um how did it go for your team sunday you know i i did this to myself it's uh it's like being in that toxic relationship where you think things are going to get better and i last time i was on i spoke very highly of of my team and i i truly do believe that they had a, a very viable chance of of you know winning the whole damn thing but it's the same old song and dance of we make it to the playoffs and somehow all of a sudden it's it's a matter of this team is it looks like they're looks like a JV playoff team more than a pro football team. It's their undisciplined. The coaching staff doesn't have any sort of accountability to anybody. Nobody takes responsibility for their actions. Uh, it's just one excuse after the other. It's I'm get, almost getting tired of seeing it. it. Surprisingly, I'm more disappointed in the loss of the Patriots than I am with, with the Cowboys. Cause that's, I mean, that's something that people expect nowadays. Um, you know, and and I do stand behind my original statement that I said previously as well. That as as a as a fan of the Patriots and and you know somebody who's invested a lot of time and money and and you know fandom into this team, it's it's not to be ashamed of. I don't believe that the Patriots were playing their best football mm-hmm. that day. Yeah. Um, you know, there there definitely could have been a better performance there. But at the same time, with with everything that they're working with, and you know, with this new rookie quarterback that just spent his first year getting groomed into the system and, and adapting to everything and as well as he performed he's only going to get better mm. so you know they th- the fact that they made it is fantastic and you know they may not have made it very far but i do not have a single doubt in my mind that next season it's it's going to be a different story to tell for for that team as far as our team is concerned if we don't make any moves any 
intelligent moves, you know, personnel changes. If we don't get any good draft picks, uh, if we don't pick anybody up in the free agency when that comes around, it's I'm anticipating it to be another song and dance. And the scary thing is every time we have a very good positive season, we go back into mediocrity. That's that's the song and dance mm-hmm. that the Cowboys have always kind of put out there. I wanted to ask you, when you saw what the matchup was, like, did you already have like kind of like a, a sour feeling going into it? Or were you like, oh, man, if we match up with Arizona or whatever, would you feel better about yourself? Or once you saw the Niners and the whole history between that rivalry and did any of that, it was like, oh, man, like, here we go again. Like, I can see this ending in, in disappointment for us. Or did you, once you saw the matchup, were you like, well, okay, we can let's let's do something. I was yeah, I, I would have been excited either way because the the bottom line of it is kind of like how we talked about last episode too is is it's a it's a different it's a different feel it's a different fight in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Everybody's zero and zero at that point. Regular season doesn't matter. Um, so you could have matched us up against anybody. It could have been the Cardinals. It could have been the Rams. Uh, obviously not the Packers. They would have gotten the first round mm-hmm. by. Would have been matched up against uh, or even Philadelphia. Boys. Or even 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 Philly or your boys uh, in Tampa, mm-hmm. it's it's a different mindset. It's a different game. It's it's anybody's game. Records don't matter at that point. But mm-hmm. I you know I and and in any circumstance felt like it would have been possible to pull off a win. There's not mm-hmm. necessarily anybody. I mean, yeah. Do I feel like we w- we had a better chance of facing off against the Niners team as opposed to a Tampa Bay team? Sure, but it, there wasn't necessarily any point where I felt. Oh, we absolutely got this. Like this is definitely a guaranteed win, mm-hmm. you know, going up against uh the Niners as opposed to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So, let me ask you point blank, you're the GM of the Cowboys. Well, let's just say owner. Let's take Jerry out of it. Let's say you're the owner. What are you doing to right this ship for next season because I think you got the pieces in play. You got great offensive firepower. You got a competent enough quarterback. Like I'm not going to say Dak's elite, but he's good enough that he can win you like big games is good leader he's proved proved that uh defense really showed up this year with the addition of dan quinn like you're right there in contention like um philadelphia's got like three picks in the draft in the top 10 next year so they're gonna be i mean i'm not saying every first round pick is is like a gold mine but you know they're gonna be right back in the mix but to stay relevant to stay on top and hopefully win the division next season what big change are you making to this team this offseason i think first and foremost i got to get rid of mccarthy and that's that's the other thing too dan quinn is kind of walking a very thin line see my my thought about it is we're holding on to a bunch of sloppy seconds from from other teams Mm -hmm. i mean uh not necessarily taking anything away from them but dan quinn being the defensive coordinator coming from atlanta who's also responsible for blowing a 28 to 3 lead in the super bowl one of the most memorable sports moment that I think not a single person is going to forget. It's, it's kind of, it's, it, it's kind of a little suspicious if you ask me. Yeah. And then of course, with, uh, McCarthy, what's the last thing he did in the last 10 years? He had that one Super Bowl win, which no, absolutely nobody gives him any credit for. Right. Granted, it does help that he had, uh, an Aaron Rodgers, which is, you know, another one of those special cases, but, Dak is not Rodgers. Right. Dak is good. I'll give him that. Dak has, you know, Dak can can make for a, a good amount of stats on paper, but he's not that he's not that guy that so far can make the you know, the big time clutch moment like a, like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady could. 
Um, not I'm not going to move on from Dak just yet. I think he's still got plenty of good years, and and you know, given the benefit of the doubt, having some optimism, he can definitely approve. So I'll save that conversation for a later date. But definitely McCarthy would be my first move. So I was looking at the the final play, the the quarterback draw, where they ended up running out of time. Um, a certain uh, mutual friend of ours has stated that another quarterback is too old and would it be good. How do you think Tom Brady would have handled those final seconds with Dallas? Would he have given you a better chance to 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 make like one final shot into the end zone? Like, would Tom Brady have done that quarterback draw, or would he have continued like thinking and? dunking towards the the end zone because y'all weren't like because Dak was making strides with the receivers like yeah. you were you were gutting them I mean just time was running out but like I don't know like Aaron Rodgers fell into that same situation earlier with the 49ers I don't know if you went back and saw highlights of that game but that exact same situation happened but Rodgers was more smart about it as far as like not doing a draw like that but plus also the ref was in the right position mm-hmm. that's the other thing our mutual friend has said like oh the ref screwed screwed you all and it's like well no the quarterback and the center don't determine where the ball goes that's up to the referee like they spot it not you so if he wants to cons- call conspiracy on that that's stupid but i don't know like do you think if tom brady was your quarterback would you have had a better shot or do you think the same thing would have happened 100 percent. i mean tom brady is tom brady he's mm-hmm. very calculating he's very um but even with like no time y'all had no timeouts like, yeah there just there was just no way you could do, do anything towards the middle of the field and not come up with a negative result. I would, I would, I would never doubt Brady in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, given the, given the same circumstance and the same parameters, I think. I mean, I think we would have had a better shot for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely gotten down closer to, to to be able to take a shot in the end zone more so than than we did. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to dispute that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was watching I was watching the replay of that play and it started off with with Dak fumbling around with his own center first before the the ref even came in and, and bumped right, into right. him so there was there was already some activity that was going on that like it's you know what are you doing why are you bumping into your own guy kind of thing mm-hmm. that that got me questioning um, another thing too because I was talking to my coworker about this too because he you know he knows he knows what I'm about and he he's a he's a Packers fan mm-hmm. so he, okay. he he doesn't necessarily have anything against the Cowboys he he will continue to go on record and say I, you know I was actually rooting for you guys what happened you know I was I was happy that y'all made it and you know y'all were gonna go I thought you're all gonna go f- very far mm-hmm. um he um I was telling him we did not turn it on in that game until the fourth quarter mm-hmm. I was saying how uh you know, we started playing well. We had three other quarters of football that we could have been, you know, we could have started building momentum, that we could have started making those big plays, and we could have even actually gone ahead and, and perhaps may, made it even a more competitive fourth quarter, like a back-and-forth type, mm-hmm. thi- type thing. But we played from behind the whole game. And if that wasn't the case, then this wouldn't even need to be a conversation because if everybody was doing what they were supposed to and everybody was on their mm-hmm. assignments and, and we were firing on all cylinders from the get-go – venture to say it would have been a different turnout but that's unfortunately not what happened so this this is this is the end result so you can you know yeah you can blame the ref you can you can blame whatever excuse but at the end of the day there's four quarters of football and we did not show up to play all four quarters of football if we had i don't think this would even be such a big deal the reason i bring up brady is because i i look at a lot of our our i don't don't want to say we all have mutual friends on facebook but a certain percentage that i see like 
that are Cowboys fans are not fans of Dak per se. Like, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. What turned me on him was the whole contract situation and wanting all that money. It's like, well, prove something first before that. Whatever he got his money, but mm-hmm. like, what do you think it is with fans that don't like Dak Prescott or think like he's not the guy? Like, do you agree with them or, or do you think you see something different that they don't? I just. I'm curious as what to the imbalances on some people that don't like Dak and some people that are fine with like you know Jake Ramirez will call Dak elite. I don't think he's elite, but he's good enough. But I don't know what what are your thoughts on those on those fans that don't like Dak at all? Like, do you think they're wrong or so? So that that actually brings up a, a question that I was going to ask in regards to this. So specifically speaking, are we talking about like they just? don't believe in Dak at all or they just don't believe you know that he's an elite quarterback in 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 response to you know what Jake was saying I from what I'm seeing it looks like they don't even believe in him at all as to be the guy I was like well who do you want like I mean I mean I know Russell Wilson's talked up talked about like you know possibly wanting to leave Seattle like but even then that's not a guarantee it's like well who else do you want who else were the Cowboys gonna go out and sign like Right. You know, I mean, other than Tom Brady when he was a free agent, but I, you know, it's too late now. You signed Dak to it. I mean, I, I don't know what they're expecting. It's just, I don't know. To me, that's just weird because I think he's good enough. And I think with the right coach to push him and, you know, I don't want to say McCarthy like is, doesn't do anything, but it feels like he doesn't push back on anybody. Mm-hmm. Like even when Zeke was having those struggles last year with fumbling. Right. And I think I remember they asked him, like, oh, like, are you going to bench Zeke? And he's like, no, we need him. him. It's like, what right. the hell? Like, where's the discipline? Like, you know. Accountability. If you exactly. Yeah, if you can't get, like, a Brian Flores, who I know would shape up that defense, they would they would make him more disciplined, and I think he would push Dak a little more. Or even if, like, even a Jim Harbaugh, I think, would be t- a good get because um, he's looked at possible getting back into the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um I think if that Cowboys spot opens up, like that would be an interesting spot for him. But I think that's all the Cowboys are really missing is a well-disciplined coach that's gonna. They need like a Bruce Arians that's gonna call your ass out, like if right. if they mess up or something like that. So they're right there, man. Uh, I mean, you know, for as much shit as I love to give you all, like you know, there was moments like you know, we open up the season, you open up against us, and it's like, oh shit, like. Where was this for, like, the entire season? Like, you all showed strides of maturity, but, again, just little blunders and undisciplined and too many penalties. That's just, you know, the Bucks dealt with that last season, and they cleaned it up. But, you know, I, I just think it's going to take a more strong-willed coach to get you all over that hump because I think everything else is is set. I mean, you got, again, you got the offense. Offensive line's good enough. Your quarterback's good enough. Your running back situation's good enough. Your defense got a bunch of studs. So, I mean, I really think it's going to come down to the coach. And if that if there's no change there, then you just got to look all the way high up at the at the owner. Yep. I Can't agree. blame anybody else. To answer your original question, I don't have an issue with Dak. Again, I don't think that he's a bad – I don't think he's a bad fit. I don't mm. think he's a – I don't think he's a bad quarterback. He's – now, I do I think he's elite? No. I don't think that as of right now from when when he started what 2016 mm-hmm. was his first season yeah, somewhere around So there. from 2016 up to this season there hasn't been too much spectacular things that he's done um to kind of match what uh, a Brady could do or what an Aaron Rodgers could do mm-hmm. um or even a Russell Wilson could do um 
Russell went back to back Super Bowls. I mean, and he had an amazing squad. Um, <clears throat> you know, Dak Dak has his money. I think he just needs to make better decisions in the long run. Yeah. Um, and and there's plenty of time. He's got plenty of good years. Like I said, he he can definitely shape up, and he can you know he can turn it on and and, and prove everybody wrong. Um, I I agree with the I agree with the personnel changes because you know like again Dak is he's he's good on paper. He's you know our mutual friend you know Jake he'll he'll throw he'll throw the whole book at you with with stats like oh Dak through for you know this number of yards you know 400 yards this game you know that's that's fantastic another thing about that too is if it's not winning football games then what are those what are the stats on that paper actually mean like what good is that actually doing for us so statistically speaking he is there he just needs to shape up and and make better decisions in in a crunch time situation you know in in a in a two-minute drill um and and absolutely 1000 percent. if he doesn't have a if he has a coach that's just gonna you know give him a pat on the back and just be a, a cheerleader more than an actual leader. He's, he's not going to go, he's not going to get very far. He's, right. he's not going to, he's not going to see a whole lot of improvement. I saw a graphic today and I think Jerry Jones should really look at it and be like, wow, like history really is repeating itself. It was a graphic of Dak next to Tony Romo. And it said after the first six seasons, they're like one in two in the playoffs or one in three or something like that. It's like, mm-hmm yikes like it's literally the same thing like nothing has changed and it's like the hell man like y'all are right there like why doesn't jerry jones see that i mean i I don't know i mean i i'm thinking there is going to be a coaching change it's just not going to come right now because there's we're deep in the middle of the playoffs and right i'm sure he's going to want the headlines to himself so it'll probably happen like either right after the super bowl or right as the super bowl is about to happen uh i think a big change is coming because i that's what's going to be needed because I think even, you know, usually I'm used to seeing, like, uh, my Cowboys Facebook friends, like, afterwards, ah, we'll be back next year or whatever. But there was a lot of, like, crickets. It finally, like, I think it finally hit y'all. Even though I did a Facebook Live saying, nah, y'all aren't going to change. Y'all are next year. Y- y'all will go on a 10-game win, ten game winning streak again. And y'all get arrogant instead of, like, you know, hey, let's let's just play out the season and we'll see what happens. Let's win some playoff games and then let's then we can start talking but right i don't know there was just something different about it and uh i don't know we'll we'll see man have you had a chance to look at what the opponents are going to be for y'all next year like i i i got to look at like tampa's going to come next season to dallas which is a game i really want to plan on going especially if depending on whatever happens with brady this is supposed to be his last season coming up because he said he wanted to play till he was 45 that was always his end game but i don't know things always change but I know that's going to be one of y'all's opponents next year. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at any, I, any other teams that you're going to play. I scrolled. I, I scrolled past it. I, I saw it on the page on like Instagram, mm-hmm. on their Instagram page. Uh, I briefly kind of looked over it, and then I, I scrolled past it. I didn't really invest a whole lot of time mm-hmm. or take a screenshot of it. Um, I was actually looking. I was actually looking to see if we. I don't. I know for a fact we don't play the Ravens. That was the one I was looking out for. Oh, okay. I wanted to see if Devon and I could could go to that game because you mm-hmm. know he's. Ravens yeah, fan, yeah. but um, that's yeah, that's about the only thing. Um, I think we're playing. Uh, I think we're at home against uh, Cincinnati. Okay. If I'm not see, mistaken, see, Cincinnati's on the up and coming. So that's I a think team that's, you, I think that's going to be a good matchup. That's a team you're going to want to like. See, those are the games that you should start circling. Like that one, the Tampa game. Like, no, let's beat Tom Brady. Let's beat uh, a high finesse, like high powered offense. Let's let's go toe to toe with them. 
But again, if you don't change the coach and then everything stays the same, and then even then, like your coordinators thing is not even set in stone because Dan Quinn's getting like head coaching interviews, and I don't know about Kellen Moore. I think I heard a couple of uh, little bits about him. But, you know, if things don't shape up there, I think if you all were to lose Dan Quinn, I don't think you are. I don't think they're going to give him a head coach right away. But if you were to lose him, I think, like, you have to pounce on Brian Flores because that's his specialty defense. He turned around Miami, like, super quick. And not just the defense, but the whole culture. Like, players in Miami are freaking shocked and, and disbelief that they let him go. Like, mm-hmm. So that sucks. It drains your locker room. So I don't feel bad for Miami. Like, they fucked up. Um but yeah, it's it. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with the Cowboys because if it's just the same old, same old, then you're going to get this the same results. It's the same fast food. You keep going to McDonald's, like, what do you expect? You can right. get the same type of food. Um, but don't want to harp too much on that. I know we talked about it um, at length here already a bit. Uh, the reason you are here today is finally, I think, after a couple of weeks that it's been out. I know we're heading into almost the end of January. Uh, we're here to discuss Cobra Kai, and it's, I believe, unbelievable season four. Uh, it just exceeded all of my expectations. Um, how, how are you feeling uh, post the fourth season ending? Like, where you stand right now with the show? What are your feelings on it? I'm I'm so excited. I, you know, everything is taking a turn. Um, I called, uh, I, I, Babe Ruth did. I, I called my home run and, uh, the, the turn spoilers for, for anybody who's still. Oh, it's has, all spoilers, yeah. To, to anybody who still has yet, I have a couple buddies at work that still have yet to see the, the newer oh, season, man. but the, the turn with Robbie. Oh. And how he's, how he's starting to, you know, to turn around and he's not the total heel anymore. Like, right. I'll, I'll take that as, I'll take that as a win. So that's, that. that's gonna, that's gonna be interesting to see, um, especially because, I, I mean, with uh johnny lawrence now i mean they they lost the tournament so they're no longer technically senseis Mm -hmm. so to speak um but johnny lawrence has to shift his focus on finding miguel because miguel went off to to do his own thing so i'm I'm interested to see how that journey is going to play out because of the whole big reveal that you know his father doesn't even know of his existence right now so to see how that plays out um and you know, from from start to finish, where they left off in season three, and, and how they capped it, I I was actually shocked that they they gave Cobra Kai the rub. But I mean, I guess that's how you got to keep the story going. Right. And then the the <laughs> twist at the end was phenomenal. But even that, like, even though they give it, like, you kind of knew where the story was going. Like, there like, was little subtle. There's hints. little subtle yeah. hints, but like the way they tell it is still like engaging, and that's all you re- you really want, right? Out of these things, like. It can be predictable, and it can be like kind of like, oh, that's of course that's where they went with it. But as long as they tell the story good, like that's always going to work with me. Uh, I wanted to do like kind of like a little awards thing, and we're going to spread them out throughout our conversation here. Sure. Just overall as a whole, like you mentioned, Robbie, he's my most valuable player of the okay. season. I think he was the most level headed out of everybody because one of the my favorite is, scenes yeah. in the season is a conversation between him and Johnny. Where Johnny's like, no, like you can't trust Crease and Cobra Kai, and Robbie's like, wait, hey, hang on, that's your problem. Your problem is you trusted that guy. I don't trust anybody. I'm just using them to get what I want. So he was kind of like, he knew what he was doing mm-hmm. as far as like what he wanted out of Cobra Kai, but he, he just felt like outpaced and outsmarted everybody. Even his conversations with the Russo. Oh, you think your way is the only way? I see how you work. I see how my dad works and how Cobra Kai works. Like, nah, nah. Like I'm gonna use. All the knowledge that I've I've learned from Miyagi Do and 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 Cobra Kai and just just him being like uh, 
overall just an individual because he was what like a stray for the longest time until he hooked up with LaRusso. Um, I, I just thought his character development was so great. I thought he was going to go full on heel, but there's just there's shades of it. But then there's also like he's mentoring this new kid. Kind yeah, of, right off us, the bat, there's the good side of it. It's like, oh man, like you, I really rooted for Robbie because I thought in season three he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh man, I hope he doesn't become a background character because I think there's real potential with him. And here you kind of see it like, oh shit, like this guy could lead. Like once they, if they decide to like eventually like get rid of like the original cast like he could lead the way for new stories or whatever i don't know did you have a different mvp or did you have as the same a, one as a matter of fact i'm actually going to go on the exact opposite of that spectrum to his other half and i'm gonna i'm gonna select tori as my oh. overall season four mvp and pretty much for those exact same reasons because you thought you know she was gonna be the baddest bitch in the land especially with how season three ended right. and so she was like super villainous in, in the very beginning but then they kind of started building that they kind of started building in season three i think it right. was season three those those moments Little where you moments kind of get her. those brief brief moments of sympathy for her because you really start to understand you know where she's coming from and like her, her, her overall at home situation and everything yeah. but this just kind of takes it to another level especially with the slip up in the beginning when uh mrs larusso visits a restaurant and ends up getting her fired yeah, inadvertently yeah. and then she has to work at the uh at that kids uh birthday party event center thing and and just gets totally embarrassed but then mm. completely 180s and, and is like you know starts to starts to actually taking advice from from other people and, and starts to learn how to trust and and even she had that conversation at the very end um with mrs larusso of like hey i you know i've, I've been taking your advice i've been i've been seeking mm. uh therapy and you know, it's been it's been very helpful, and it's been helping my mom, and and it's and it's good. And then at the at the very end, she just she it's it's like it's like the perfect WrestleMania moment. It's yeah. like the perfect WrestleMania storyline. You know, she gets her moment in the end. She wins the the championship, not just for herself, but for her overall uh, dojo, which yeah. is which is incredible. So I'm 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 running with Tori on this one. MVP for for me for her. Uh, I guess my other other award that we can go into is. Uh, I guess best she had the best storyline arc this season I think um in terms of growth and development like you said it was planted in season three um usually in shows like this like like a teen soap I guess we can kind of call it yeah um there's couples that you root for and I found myself by the end of this rooting for Robbie and And Tori instead of like eh, whatever with Miguel and uh Sam um they would. I have. I dare. I dare say. Like for half the season, you couldn't even tell that they were like right? couple material. Like they I think were just that was two done people hang, hanging out. Yeah. I think that was done on purpose so that way you could sympathize and gain more traction for Tori and Robbie, who that develops as well throughout the season, right? Because mm-hmm. they're at odds at the beginning. Like, oh, what are you doing with us or whatever? Right. This isn't for you. And then it's just you could see the tension there building and. And it leads to one of the great moments in uh, the prom episode where they just steal the dance floor, which is always – that's always a thing. I love stealing the dance floor if I get an opportunity. So seeing something like that, like, oh, man, if I could do that on film or whatever, like, that's so cool. Uh, I don't know. Talk about that moment a little bit. I thought that was one of the best moments of the of the show where just him and Tori show up at prom and just steal the night away. One of your favorite – Artist, oh, if not that favorite artist, uh, yeah. right now going. 
I yeah, I think uh, I think overall, I think that prom episode just overall as a whole really stands out to me in a lot of different ways. Um, before we even get to the to the weekend song, can we can we talk for a second about uh, Dimitri's uh, prom tux with the Pac Man oh game my board? God. That character also had great development. Yes, like, yeah, it's it's crazy out of the out of the woodwork. He he was like a he was like a nobody, just a pushover, and then all of a sudden he's. You know he's skilled. He's masterful. He's yeah. he's performing well in in this uh, in this new event that they that they launched at the the tournament. Yeah. It's yeah. He he definitely won eighty. And again, folks, like this isn't something that's just like oh, all of a sudden what we're supposed to believe Dimitri's like this. I'm not saying like he can fight anybody, but he can hold his own. But that was like built up throughout the seasons, and then in season three, you finally saw him got to kick some ass a little bit. Uh, you know he would. He was the one bullying Hawk for a little bit, like at school and the soccer field. Yeah. So you saw like little shades, like okay, Dimitri's going to be able to hold his own. But yeah, he showed like a lot of like great uh, fighting techniques and style. He even fought Robbie for a while. Like, I mean, it wasn't a fair match, but you know, there was moments in there like, oh shit, could he could he get a point on Robbie? Like, is it possible? So his his development has also been great. But yeah, that after 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 recovering from a broken arm, too, right, mind you, right, yeah. Oh man, just so much, so much good stuff. So much, th- like it's easy for a show like this to forget about characters and then just develop the main people. But like, they brought back people that we hadn't seen in a while, and it's like, oh shit, there was development on them. Mm-hmm. Like Stingray played a vital factor into the into the season finale, and played when, by Paul Walter Hauser in that episode. Um, there was the return of uh, what's her name. Sam's friend. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking about. Gosh. I can't remember her name. Um, I I feel bad for forgetting the name or whatever, but she was she was there in the first two seasons and then just wasn't there for the third. I don't know if it was contract uh, situations or whatever, but they brought her back for one episode to kind of be like this guiding conscience for Sam, who's another character who, if you look very closely. There's a heel turn coming for that girl. <laughs> I don't know if it's just me. Did you do you see that coming for Samantha Larusso? I thought I did, um, especially ha- in the at the halfway point uh, in in the fourth season when they when they reencounter each other at the at the school. Because she, she starts to bully Tori very cold heartedly, like "I'm coming for you, bitch." Kind of yeah. like just you know, kind of one upping or returning the favor from yeah. the the dialogue that was exchanged between them earlier on. I think in season three. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I feel like it could go either way because she she is so internally conflicted um, at the end of the tournament because she's like, we we did. I don't understand what happened. We did everything right and we still lost. And like, runs off and, and then like, just runs off. Yeah, that's total like easy setup to like. You know what? I'm gonna go a different round. Try something. Maybe she. I mean, I don't want to speculate on season five, but like, there's something there. That's also the beauty of this season. Why I thought it was so great is that it. It really wrapped up a lot of the stuff that was had been building since the beginning, and now the show's kind of like going to go in a way where we can go into a whole different avenue of roads um, and storylines. But that's going to be one to watch. I'm calling it right now. I'm not saying I'm right, but I'm just saying Samantha Larusso. There's just a heel turn. Wait, there's there's a reason why they did a lot of the things that they did in this show. From her like picking on Tori at that party and being like a brat about it. Uh, to just the whole thing, like that was the whole setup at the beginning, right? With uh, Tori telling Robbie, like, "Oh, like this girl just thinks she can get whatever she wants," you mm-hmm. know? and Robbie telling her no, and that was kind of like the first, like, "Oh shit!" Like she's not gonna get her way every single time, and 
you know, Johnny also kind of brought out that edge to her. So it could be kind of like his influence that kind of makes her go a little dark. But again, I'm, I'm speculating too much. It's just my opinion on what I think is going to happen with this character. But it could not, like you said, it could go either way. But interesting stuff there with Samantha LaRusso. I think, uh, I think if they take that direction, what it's going, and this is just my, my theory, my own personal theory here, or my own personal input. Um, if it's going to come, if they're going to take that route and, and kind of turn her, you know, in, into like a, into a villain or turn her into the heel, I think it's going to take more involvement with, uh, her mom mm-hmm. and it's going to take more involvement with, um, with, with Amanda and, uh, and Tori because yeah, Amanda, Tori has to play a massive part in it. Yes. Cause, cause she's kind of starting to turn into like that, uh, what, what, you, what do you, what do you call it? Uh, like a, like a mentor kind of figure to, mm-hmm. to Tori and, and giving her loads of advice. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you kind of saw, um, you, that scene where it's, where it's Amanda and, and, uh, Daniel and they're having that conversation like, Oh, you know, when I was a teenager, I took a baseball bat to my teacher while they were in the car kind of thing. Yeah. Well, how come you never brought it up? Well, it's not, it's not dinner conversation. You yeah. know, there's never really a good time to bring it up, but she kind of like, she kind of shows that that empathy for Tori and like, okay, I understand her now because I, I know what it's like to, to be in that kind of position. You know, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of that in this season too, where a, a lot of like the, the older character, like the adult characters are empathizing with, with different, different groups or, or different, uh, different of the kids. Cause, mm-hmm. um, uh, Daniel had his moment where he's like, you know, I, I understand because I used to in reference to, uh, Karate Kid Three, like mm-hmm. I was a Cobra Kai at one point, like I I know what they're all about, so mm-hmm. it's it's very easy to, you know, to to fall into these traps, or it's it's very easy to to fall in these ways and and, and really get enticed with with mm-hmm. what they're selling you, but you have to remain focused and, and things like that. Yeah, just I, I think it's weird for me to say because we talk a lot in wrestling terms. Um, I say heel turn, but like the beauty of this show is that except for. I think except for maybe Terry Silver, who's that's a full fledged heel. But I think everybody there's good and bad to them. So there's a lot of gray with all these characters, which is I think is what makes the show beautiful in that you can go in any direction with them and you'll garner sympathy regard even Crease towards the end of it you're like, Oh shit, like I don't know if you felt bad, but like there wasn't just like ha, he got what he deserved. It was kinda like more like I don't know, it was a weird betrayal and um I don't know. We'll see what's to come with that storyline, because obviously that's always been the the thing, right? Um, well, because I think I think the thing with Crease too is is because again they start planting these uh, these little seeds in your head, and I think um, I think you and Roger talked about it when you did the kickoff uh, for last year's uh, you know run with with the episode uh-huh. of of uh, with the with the kickoff of season three. Um, and he was kind of explaining like don't don't do this like don't make me feel you know don't make me feel emotion for for crease like he's supposed to be the bad guy because they're showing like his his past of of being in the war but there's also like those little subtle things in season 4 where he's starting to question silver and then he's also he's showing a lot of you know compassion for yeah. Johnny Lawrence and he's goes kind of stepping in and like or or like at the end where he goes no, we don't, you know, we don't need to cheat. Just, yeah, yeah. you know, do, do what you feel is right or just, you know, fight with your all or, or something to that effect. I don't remember the exact dialogue, but it was, it was that scene where Tori was kind of conflicted and they, she goes up to both of them yeah. and, and 
Crease ends up being the level-headed one of the two and just gives her the the best sounding advice. So yeah. there are those little pieces of like, okay, Crease is kind of starting not to look like the overall villain here, mm. whereas Terry Silver is like the total Willem Dafoe of yeah. of the entire season, <laughs> kind of like he was in. You know his his character has not at all changed since the third movie. Oh, yeah. Again, it was it's, it's it was total it Green was Goblin. Cocooned. Yeah, <laughs> he was hiding. Uh, and that's another thing. Like I was not expecting, but I was like, oh, I'm expecting this character to just pick up where it left off. But no, they gave you subtle hints. Like, oh, maybe he's changed. Maybe he's he's he's. But the brilliance of the Terry Silver character and why I think he's a top five villain of all time. Is because it's not of him being like tough or anything like that, even though he can fight. It's the way he manipulates, and that's scarier when he's like a Hans Gruber, like a smart villain that yeah. just knows how to get you from within. Like when he antagonizes Daniel, he's like, "I didn't, I didn't make you do anything. Like I think it was always in you that you're a little hothead. Mm-hmm. All I had to do was wind you up and set you, let you go. And it's like little things like that are what make Terry Silver uh, just brilliant and. I know I mentioned Robbie was the MVP, but Terry Silver was just show stealing in so many scenes. And of course, in the end, when he goes full fledged heel, and I like that they left that reveal at the end where it's like, I know what your weakness is. It's Johnny Lawrence. Like, I use that against you. Yeah. Uh, it was beautiful, like, beautiful wrestling work by, by, uh, it's almost Triple H level, like, just manipulation and mind games. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Terry Silver and his return? Um, I I definitely appreciate them bringing back the original score. Uh, the yes. b- for, uh, actually pause. I'm gonna step back. Aisha Robinson. Aisha that, Robinson. That's been bothering me this whole time. That's that's the name of Sam's friend. Um, okay, so Terry Silver. I like how they kept him. Uh, you know, they they kept him the same. They they didn't really do a whole lot with him. They didn't need to do a whole right. lot with him. Um, they kept the original score from the third movie where it was like the the little violin riff. That to me. That to me, I think, also adds into making him more of a many scene villain. Yeah. Because, uh, I don't know if you remember, so like throughout when Hawk was kind of turning into, you know, when he was kind of starting to, to become, you would believe he was the big, the main bad guy, right, the main right. heel. How they would kind of, whenever he would walk into a scene, how they had like the, the menacing, very deep like bass drop where it was like mm-hmm. a, mm, you yeah. know, kind of thing. It's like, okay, we get it. We understand he's supposed to be the bad guy, but you add that as opposed to, you know, something like a classical musical score where it's like it's not supposed to be tailored to a bad guy, but yeah. it, it's just there and it works. Just makes it that much more menacing. Um, still had the, you know, still has the same, you know, still has the same strategy of just throwing his money around and, and you know, using finances to his advantage. I mean, yeah. which why why wouldn't you? Um and then at the very end, got the, uh, you know, got finally got the aha moment, like the I got you, like, you know, I, how long are you going to keep this over my head? Like, I, I appreciate what you did in the war, but yeah. that was meant, that was many <laughs> moons ago. That was like one of the funny tweets I saw. Uh, I don't know if you know who Mindy Callin is. Uh, she used to do like the Mindy Project show. She was like, man, Crease is like such a jerk. Like, offend, he gets offended real quick and brings back horrible Vietnam flashbacks. Yeah. That's where you still see shades of like, man, Crease is like, I think Crease is, Crease is just an asshole. Whereas like, Terry's a villain villain. Like, that, that makes he, sense. He has a, a, a grand plan. Crease is just that bully in high school, like, that just never got over. Like, I'm the tough guy. Like, I'm, you want to pick a fight with me? I'll, I'll fight you back or whatever. 
So that's my that's the assessment I got out of it. Is that when I started thinking about both of these guys, I was like, man, Kreese is just an asshole. Terry is the real villain, the snake that you need to worry about. And I think they executed that perfectly. I know you mentioned you revisited the movies as well. Um, is there anything about Karate Kid 3 this time that stood out for you more? Or I don't know what your thoughts are on that movie just in general. I, I like it. There's a lot of people that hate that movie and it doesn't work. Um, but th- th- I stand that movie. What are your thoughts on Karate Kid 3? I don't, uh, I don't have anything against it. I mean, yeah, there were certain moments, especially when he brought in the, uh, what, what is it? The bad boy, uh, the bad boy of karate. Mike Barnes. Yeah, Mike Barnes. Um, you know, him running around in his goons. There, there were, you know, some mo- moments that were total cheese and cliche, but I mean, that isn't that, is that not the essence of like late eighties, early nineties movies? Right. So I'm not going to give it a knock for that. Um, there are a lot of little things, and, and this doesn't just apply to the third movie. This is pretty much throughout the trilogy that they kind of plug into the series. And I appreciate how they throw those little subtle hints to kind of like pay homage or like, you know, reference to, to the trilogy without mm-hmm. making it like a total focus point. So the, the line of dialogue, um, when was it? When, uh, I think, I actually, I, I stand corrected. It wasn't the, the third movie. This is actually back into the first movie. When um, he's talking to, I think it was a scene. I can't. Oh man, I can't remember when exactly it was, but it was Daniel Larusso, and he was talking to like one of Ali's friends, and uh, they had revealed like, oh, she's not with Johnny Lawrence anymore. Like they broke up weeks ago. Oh, weeks like. What are we talking weeks? One week, five week. Like what are we talking about weeks? And then the same thing happens in Hawk in season four. Um, a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the second movie. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I think I enjoyed the third movie more than I did the second movie. The I don't know what movie it is. is. Very, it's very dramatic and very um, family oriented. Like it's there's not yeah. really, it's more of an inner conflict. I mean, yeah, they had the chosen as the villain, but um, that movie is more conflict about father and sons and just all the. It was too emotional for me. Like I like to watch it. Don't get me wrong, but part three is just it's a total like just cheese fest and yeah it's so corny and over the top and the brilliant thing about this series is that it it doesn't take itself too serious it knows how to poke fun at itself that's what amanda larusso is there for to point out every once in a while hey this is this is kind of stupid all of this like yeah <laughs> what the hell's going on so the the beauty of karate kid 3 not working they play that into the movie where there's two great scenes one with miguel and larusso and larusso explaining you know how he grew up and not going to school and all that stuff and they play into the some of the stuff that he did with his money yeah which he ended up blowing on a bonsai shop if y'all have never seen karate kid 3 that's what he does he buys mr miyagi a bonsai shop with his college money for school and it ends up like failing um but so that's played into there as a joke um the fact that in part three if you watch the movie the, the whole point of the all valley is that it's a tournament to 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 who's the best and in that movie, for some reason, Daniel LaRusso only has to fight in the last match, which makes, from a wrestling standpoint, that makes no sense. Nope. Like, that's like that's uh, putting somebody in the WrestleMania main event without horrible them booking. earning it. Yeah. Horrible booking. Johnny Lawrence calls that out immediately. Um, so just things like that. But then they put in uh, a great scene between Miyagi and LaRusso from part three where he's like, no, you're going to learn your own way of fighting. You won't just learn my way. So. Mm-hmm. It's cool how they balance both of that. And, again, that's a theme of the show is just balance. 
was that I thought that particular that particular wasn't that particular scene in the first movie too where no, he was ta- where he's talking about being deep rooted. No, that's from part three because it's about the bonsai tree that got broken in half. Uh, that's just oh man, the way they brought that in and made it like a core just sentiment of that season is just oh, I mean, damn, like I, I'm ready for more. <laughs> All right, can I? Can we? Can we talk something in, in comparison of uh, the series between the the movies? I know it's kind of apples to oranges, even though they're within the same realm and the, and the same mythology. I I personally like the series more than, and and a lot of people may or may not get on my head on this, but I personally enjoyed the series more than I actually did the trilogy of movies. I think what does it for me is like. The, the kids in this series who are teenagers equally as young as, as Daniel LaRusso in the original trilogy, but they actually learn how to fight. Right. And they actually hold their own against their enemies and against their opponents, regardless of how, how much more, how many more years of fighting experience that they're, whoever they're up against has. Like, Daniel LaRusso just gets his ass kicked in every movie. <laughs> and he always pulls out some lucky. So that's, okay, that's a, that's a question I'm going to propose for you too, because, um, you talk about, and again, there's, it's kind of hard to really compare the two. Um, you, you, you've gone on record in regards to the Marvel movies mm-hmm. and how there's no stakes because you can have like an end of the world scenario, but then somebody just pulls out like, oh, I have the ability to do this, or I can snap my fingers and change this, or I can cast a spell right. and change this. Like all of Daniel LaRusso's wins are like the luckiest finishes because mr miyagi just happens to be there and he like just for somehow (laughs) puts together like something that they talked about earlier on in the movie and then just develops a skill to do some random move that he uses to beat his opponent the the crane kick the the drum or like even in the third movie like i'm afraid i can't beat this guy he's like it's okay to be afraid. Just, you know, lose to your opponent. It's fine. Just don't lose to fear. And then he beats one of the baddest, like one of the toughest fighters in, in all of karate yeah. in, in the, in the final moments of the turn in, in sudden, in, in a single, single point <laughs> sudden death. And he just pulls out that point after getting just ragdolled the entire time. Oh yeah. No, it's a totally like, I totally get it. Like these kids in this series are more full fledged. And I know for some reason now Daniel can like, fight his way out of it he can fight off six people for some reason yeah where was that in the movies like for some of it and i get it he was a kid but even then these kids like they they know how to hold themselves in a fight but it's but it's perfect that you mentioned that because johnny lawrence actually calls this out and i want to talk about this because this goes into this was my favorite episode of the season uh match point which i believe was episode four or five something like that um and johnny lawrence says that like you you think just because you got one point over me all those years ago, that you think you're the better fighter than me. Like, mm-hmm. no, like 10 times out of 10, like, I'll whip your ass or whatever. So they have this whole thing to set up to them, like, finding, like, a, a fight to the finish or whatever. Um, but, yeah, this kind of arrogance that grows in LaRusso, like, that he thinks not only his way is right, but that he thinks he's the better he's, fighter. Yeah. Which probably not, if you really think about it, even though there's shades in the show that make you think, like, oh, you can fight off anybody. Even fights Kreese. Yeah. I don't. I didn't even buy that, but whatever. But no, yeah. Uh, again, because of a lucky technique that he learned five minutes ago in the show when he went to Japan. Because yeah, yeah. Oh. So, so with 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 things being with things having stakes, do you think that the movies would have had more uh, weight to them, or do you think the movies? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't necessarily want to say be would have been better, but let's say in the third movie, 
like Mr. Miyagi, you know, he goes into the uh, he goes into the Cobra Kai dojo and he you know, he again he takes on he he handles all of the business. Every time Daniel Russo is getting bullied, he he just goes in and, and fights three guys, five guys all at once. Yeah. Let's say in the third movie, he got jumped by Silver and Crease, oh. and he gets you know he gets hospitalized. See, so that would have made that movie better. So he he can't be at the tournament. So now Daniel Russo is is forced to fight on his own and just kind of figure things out, or or he loses his title. Like, see, right there, you improve that movie like a hundred times. Even though I I love it, but I love it more because of Terry Silver. <laughs> Because that character still works regardless. But, uh, yeah, that movie has complete bigger stakes if you do something like that. But, again, the movie's super... The movie's very generic if you think about it. Uh, but it's just that if you don't have Terry Silver in that movie, it doesn't work, like, at all. Right. He's the brilliance of it. Um, but, yeah, no, it's hard to, like... It's hard to watch at least the original now with everything that's happened with Johnny, like, to look at that movie and be like, and really root for LaRusso all the way. Be like, no, like, now that you've seen the whole spectrum, like, that movie's, like, completely different the way I see it. Um, I don't know. Has that changed for you? No. In, in rewatching this stuff? Well, no, uh, simply because, uh, and, and I, we talked a little bit, I brought this up off air. I completely had forgotten how quickly paced, um, even though you, you, you mentioned it in your, uh, 90s spinoff series, how, like, these movies, they just go. There, there's not a whole lot of time spent on building up everybody's backstories or, or making sure that everybody fully understands where these characters are coming from. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just hit the ground running and go. Um, and it works, mm-hmm. uh, believe it or not. Um, you know, in the, in the first movie, they, they do a good job of, of playing out like, yeah, no, hindsight's, t- hindsight's 2020. Right. You know, you know what you know now because of, of the series and how it kind of plays into showing a different perspective, but you can still go back and rewatch the movie and believe that, you know, Johnny Lawrence is, is the villain just because of how, oh, how he, how, how he treats, yeah. how he treats Allie and, and everything. So it's like, yeah, okay, Johnny kind of deserved what he got coming to him kind of mm-hmm. thing, but then you, you kind of turn a new leaf when he, you know, grows into adult and you, you see what life has been for him since then, mm-hmm. which, I mean, realistically speaking, is, is kind of on him at the same time, but, you know, I, I get, yeah. I get what you're, I, I guess, see what you're getting at with, like, you know, re- being able to rewatch it and not necessarily thinking the same thing. It, it's only with the original movie, though. With the other two, it's like, oh, now there's just, like, this enhancement to the mythology and, like, makes you appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Obviously, Johnny was very one-dimensional in the movie. Right. And you get that shade at the end where, good job, LaRusso. Like, that's the only spark where you saw, like, hey, that guy, that guy might, not, might not be a complete asshole. Like, yeah. Um, well, you also, you also, the, you pick up in the, right at the beginning of part beginning two. Beginning of yeah. part two, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's the only movie that I really can't see the same. But other than that, they've done a great job on just building and expanding everything. Um, I know he was a focal point in the season in terms of like the characters Daniel and Johnny, but I feel like in this season we didn't get enough Miguel. That probably, probably might have been my only thing. He kind of felt a little bit like he was in season two, where he was there, like he was a core part of what was going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, it wasn't until like the very end when all that shit happened to him, where like he became the focal point of it, right? But I kind of felt that way again here where he kind of took like a, a little bit of a backseat, even though he was the main thing Johnny and Daniel were fighting over. Right. Um, I don't know. What were your thoughts on the – that may have been my only like kind of like – I don't want to say let down, but it's just like, oh, man, I wanted to see more development, more scenes maybe with Miguel and I don't know, just whatever he, conflict he was struggling with. Um, I'll – 
I'll be 100% up until you brought it up. I actually didn't even bother to notice. So I don't have too many thoughts on it to, mm-hmm. to be honest. Uh, I, I on, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think that that probably was the right move to make because they've already spent so much time on him in the first true, couple true. of seasons. I get that. And they're kind of building it up to, I, I think that's, the direction they want to take is they're kind of building it up for the next season to, to focus on his focus. of yeah. his journey, you know, going to try and find his dad yeah. since nobody else has a dojo but Cobra Kai. Um, it also was the right move because it, it does it does play into all of the things that made season four so right with the development of everybody else's character with the with the love story between Robbie and Tori and um, you know, kind of seeing a, a somewhat of a redemption story for Hawk as well. Yeah. Um, and and seeing everybody else come up, so taking a back seat. Sure, I I venture to say it's more so he's kind of helping to, um, what what do you call it in wrestling? Like you, you're you're kind of helping everybody else get it's, a push. Uh, it's like it's like AEW, right? Like Kenny Omega's not there right now, but they haven't lost a beat because there's like all these different stars right. that you can plug into mm-hmm. the main event scene or shift focus onto here. So I guess yeah, you convinced me out of it. Not that I'm disappointed, but it's like okay, cool. Like there's not that much focus on him, but. Oh, we got this cool like story going on with Robbie. Yeah. Whereas in the the previous season he was kinda like shifted over to the side a little bit. So yeah, you can maneuver these characters around. I think they could all like really except for maybe I don't know, maybe I don't think Dimitri could, but like you could take most of these characters and make them the focal point and, and drive the story. But yeah, no, a lot going on in this season, but nobody uh I I think I've mentioned this in my first review on facebook like everybody got their moment to shine um and i guess we can talk a little bit about the i guess more well i already mentioned what my favorite episode was did you have a favorite this season one that stuck out i think yeah i I think going back to it i think it's going to be that prom one it's the return of stingray and the return of stingray um that great song by the weekend at the prom dance uh dimitri's dimitri's uh yeah the fight dimitri's tux um, there was also during that scene, there was, uh, there was the moment where they lured Johnny to oh, Dojo one, and then they lured him back to the original, uh, Koba Kai Dojo. And, um, did that kind of remind you of Karate Kid 3 a little bit in that scene where, where Daniel LaRusso goes back yeah, in? Yeah. I was like, was that a nod to that? Kind of, sort of. Um, Although only it went the other way around because they kicked Johnny's ass, right? Because the villains came out on top in that fight. Well, n- no, because there was there really wasn't like a big reveal. Right, we're right. kind of like in the third movie. It was like the big reveal was like, oh hey, look, there's Crease. Like he's yeah. still alive. He's not dead. He's still yeah, alive, yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Um, well, I just meant in terms of like tone and like the setting. Like, oh, this is this is a dangerous situation for for our uh, protagonist. I mean, is it safe to say Johnny's a protagonist in this story, or is he still kind of like just a tweener? He can go back and forth. Johnny. Yeah, like what do you what do you make of him overall? Like, he's kind of, he. I don't necessarily think of him as a as a betweener. He's he's kind of just as. Or as, would as, you would you equate him to? We're going to talk a lot of wrestling folks here because it's a lot of uh, similarities. Or would you take him to be like a Stone Cold character? Like, I'm gonna do what I what I want. Like, I'll kick your ass one second, the next, and maybe I'll help out this guy. Another that, that that actually is a is a very fair comparison. That's that's a very fair analogy. I think I think he's I would, not a I would classify him as that. He's not a John Cena type, big clear cut baby face. Like I'm yeah. the hero. Like he's flawed. He's he'll turn on you in a second, or you know, just 
I'll stun you just for the heck of it because I because I can right and and because he's also looking out for for the better of these you know for the betterment of these kids like yeah. he picked up you know M- Miguel pointed it out he's like hey like you can't always be looking for some champion caliber fighter like when you you plucked me out of obscurity and you yeah. turned me into what I am today like yeah. if anyone's capable of doing it it's you so he's he's got that good mentor mentorship aspect and and yeah he also has the ability to like okay you know what I'm gonna you know if you want to get in my way I'll get in your face and and we'll just we'll you know, we'll just knock it out right here and now. Yeah. Um, and also at the at the very end, uh, even Daniel Larusso is like, "Hey, you know, it's bottom line is we're both just we're both just set in our ways, and it's it's not going to change. So yeah. we gotta we gotta be able to cooperate." And he's he's completely on board with it. Um, that episode that you mentioned is your favorite. The prom episode also has the most devastating scene in the whole series, which is where Johnny's drunk. Miguel's helping him to his bed, mm-hmm. and he's telling him like, "Oh, I want to be a dad so bad, and I want to be a dad to you." And Miguel's like, "You're, you're doing he's, like he's great." He's choking up like he thinks it's about him, and then he's like, "I love you too, Robbie." It's like, "Oh man, oh, I, my heart God. melted there." It's like, I not that I I don't know what that situation is like. You know, I've, I've had my dad in my life, so but I I, I know imagine. that sense of rejection where you like you know where, whether it be in a relationship or whatever um, with anybody like just to feel that like oh shit like. I thought I was that person for, mm-hmm. for you know, whoever it may be. So, you know, for Miguel, that was a great acting moment. You know, I mean, I'm sure people don't look at this show like, oh, this is the greatest acting or whatever. Right. Like it's, it's a cheesy soap. But there's moments in there. And I think for both of them, like, because even, even William Zapka as an actor, like, if, like, if they nominated him for an Emmy or anything like that, they should put that scene in there because that was just incredible work. Like, it was so believable. It was so heartfelt and just also gut-wrenching just lights out acting yeah for sure um so yeah great episode but mine of course was match point the whole leading up to him and LaRusso showing down they take it in a comedic turn doing a a rocky four montage set to mm-hmm. burning hard yeah there, there were just all these check marks for me that was like this episode did it for me but overall there's there's no filler I don't think there's ever any filler in Cobra Kai. It's really straight to the point. Yeah. Um, only 10 episodes oh, each season. Uh... I don't... The only time it really slowed down was season three. With the stuff with Okinawa. And that kind of slowed down a little bit, but you kind of understood why they did it. Um, I think... I think... I don't know. This... I, I don't... It's right maybe, last maybe, for me. Maybe I'm season. just kind of nitpicky, but I think, like, the scenes where they, like... Where they have... what What is his name? Uh, a... A boucher or something, and like cousin. Oh, were they the cousin Louis scenes? and every like like the dealership scenes? I, I think yeah. there's maybe one too. Ma- maybe that's just me being nitpicky, but there's maybe one too many of those. Well, there's filler in. scenes, but I mean, in terms of episodes, there's nothing where like, man, they could have done without this. Okay, this that's, story. That's true. that's really what I mean. Like, okay, uh, just in terms of like, they don't waste any time. Like, you know, it, this shows now are not traditionally like shows used to be like twenty twenty four episodes and. For sure, you'd get filler at some point, right? But now, like shows, cut it down to like ten, sometimes eight episodes, and like you really got to get to the point. Or and it's very, and it's very, it's very, it's very much an easy watch because each show is uh, they're what like twenty five minutes yeah. sans credits, yeah. so it's before you know it, you're on to the next one. Yeah, with the exception of the season finales, of course, those are easily like 35, 40 yeah. minutes, but easily earned because they have so much to wrap up, right? Um. What else? Anything else that we got to touch up on here? Um, can we can we uh, show a little bit of appreciation? So with your with your episode with the the match point episode, the uh, 
how there's a little bit of Johnny Lawrence in all of us, how we've we've gotten to moments where alcohol just hits our system and we yes. just get completely emotional and tweet all of our emotions. It's happened to the best of us. Greatest it's to scene. me plenty. Uh, Dimitri has the best line in that scene where he's he's like, who does he think he's tweeting to? He has, <laughs> he has one only- follower. <laughs> My dad laughed so hard at that line. Uh, but, yeah, it's like Johnny Lawrence. If you... If you pause it at just the right moment, you'll see all the tweets and what he's uh, what he's uh, tweeting at Larusso or Big Showdown tomorrow, or whatever. Like he's taking it all serious. Larusso's just hungover and whatever. Um, also, their early uh, again, Johnny Lawrence is just not only is like did he have that great dramatic scene, but he's also just the funniest character. And the way he mocks Larusso, there's a certain moment where he's teaching him the Miyagi stuff. And there's something where he teaches them, and he's like, what does that mean? He's like, it means no be there. It's like, what? You couldn't teach this guy his English properly? And then there's a scene where Daniel LaRusso has to get out of a situation, and he's fighting off these bullies or whatever. And Johnny Lawrence is nowhere to be seen. And when he comes back, and LaRusso's like, where were you at, man? And Johnny Lawrence, no be there. It's like, God, this guy is like just the greatest comedic actor, but also just overall, I think he's the... He's the heart and soul of this show. I think it doesn't work fully if you don't have this character. Um, I think it would have just gone too over the top, maybe dramatic, because he balances it out, right, where he make he can bring out the lightheartedness in it right. while still being serious. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just so great. But, yeah, um, that, the whole tweeting out your feelings. Don't do it, folks. I don't ever recommend it for all you young folks. That uh, yeah, that. definitely. Don't ever <laughs> – I mean, I'm sure it won't be my last. But usually I'll – these days now it's more like I'll watch wrestling and drunk tweet or whatever, but I don't recommend doing that. It, it never works out for anybody, especially if it's over a girl or anything like that. Don't do it. Um, definitely don't. If you if you do find <laughs> yourself doing it, definitely don't do it in all caps. Yes, you're not proving anything. <laughs> um, what else? Let's talk about the All Valley Tournament. Oh boy, um, it was a two episode season finale. If you want to look at it that way. I know the young generation won't understand that aspect because everything's just a straight binge. But if this aired as a normal television show week to week, this would would have been like a combined giant episode to end the season. Um, Any fights in particular that stood out to you as your favorite? Hmm. Let's see. I did enjoy. I did enjoy the finales for both the boys and the girls' fights. I think that's to be did expected. the girls earned the main event. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm talking in wrestling terms. Storyline wise, they earned it. They earned it. Yes, and and yes. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, I thought the I'm, rock- try- I'm trying. To, I'm trying to wrap my head around. Like I'm trying to remember all of the fights. Like we're we're talking fights without. Uh, you know, not not counting the prelims, right? Like not the well, one, it could be like, anything, like, like, like the flash montage, like when the, oh, the like, fights they actually focused in on. Yeah, like the it was more like where they did the real fights, like the semifinals and then the finals. Mm, like, okay, like who did Hawk beat to get to the final? Or it was he, supposed to be Miguel? He uh, beat the no. He uh, well, yeah, it was supposed to be Miguel, but I think I know what you're talking about. He was fighting that. Uh, I don't remember his name. The the original bully from season one, the guy that was on the wrestling team, the Asian guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot what his name is. Uh, this is gonna bother me. Now. It's, okay, a cheap, I'm, I'm it's a cheap name. It's not some hard name. Hold on, but anyway, I'll, but I'll I know, pull it up. I know exactly who you're talking about, and he does a good fight there. Robbie, I, I guess for me it was more obviously the Sam Tory fight is just all sorts of great because you see all these different styles that she's bringing out from Both. Cobra Kai yeah. and Eagle Fang. 
Um, and then you see Tori's like vicious, but also being like sympathetic. Right. Uh, so that's, that was a great main event, but the Robbie Hawk fight is also incredible because they're both like evenly matched where it's like first Robbie's like, Oh man, he knows all the styles. But then Daniel LaRusso counters like, but you weren't Cobra Kai longer. Like you show him, put you him on defense. Put him on defense, right? And they counter each other. They go to the sudden death thing, which right. they hadn't done since Karate Kid, 3. which is actually earned, which yeah. actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love that too. That um, because that's that's another moment where it's like it really shows that villainous side of Terry Silver. Was like they kind of look at each other and give that that bow of mutual respect. Like okay, like you're legit, you're yeah. real. And he goes back like, you're what are you doing? <laughs> showing your opponent respect? <laughs> you're bowing to him. <laughs> You want to fight him? But that's the brilliance of Robbie, too, where it's like, Robbie ain't, Robbie's not scared of these guys. Yeah. I want to see Robbie fight either Silver or Crease at some point in the show, whether it be, like, in a regular, like, just, like, like season in, three, like, the way season three ends, where they have that just badass fight. Like, in the parking lot or yeah, something. Yeah, just something like, some not, not an fight. organized fight. Yeah. yeah. I want to see Robbie kick some ass. I'm sure he could hang with uh, Terry Silver. Or maybe Terry Silver is going to give a beating to one of these kids at some point. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't I put it past it. I think there's no, there's no, uh, there's no going back with that character as far as like a redemption. No, he's <laughs> he's definitely the he's the goblin of yeah. of this of this series for sure. Um, yeah, no, that the Kyler, whole, Kyler. There we go. Yeah, it wasn't some like offbeat name, but yeah, Kyler. Um, I I really thought they were going to make him more into a credible threat, but he's kind of like. They kind of just turn him yeah. into like a whatever in, in the fourth he's a series. Henchman. Yeah. Uh, although he is, he's good at being the bully. Right. And we saw that and we haven't talked about this yet. The introduction of Kenny, the new character. Yes, 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 uh, yes. And, and also uh, the return of, uh, Anthony LaRusso, mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. looks, physically looks way different than when we saw him, uh, the first two seasons. Um, what, are your, a, what are your thoughts on that new arc, Karate Kid style story? Is that line? a, is that a, is that an act, is that the same uh, the original same actor? actor? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say. Yeah. I follow him on Instagram, so it's him. <laughs> okay, it's him. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought I thought that was a it was pretty amazing how they threw that in there without making it be like they they threw it in there without making you feel like oh great another thing that we have to follow. It just mm-hmm. kind of fit right in perfectly. It in like- yeah, um, that turn. That turn at the very end in the locker oh, room where yeah. he's like, oh, what, what, "Go ahead and tell me what 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 do you, what do you think it felt like? You know, being <laughs> being the new being the new kid in school that had no friends and you just wanted to show off for your friends and then pick on the yeah. new guy. Like, how did it feel? And then just totally went off on him. It's great because my dad's like, "Oh, this is what oh they're they're reversing it. They're gonna do the Karate Kid this way." But it's like, no, they swerved you again at the end. Where like that kid's gonna end up going like dark really quick. Yeah, and I think that's gonna factor into the brother coming in at some point. Oh, you think so? Oh, sh- that kid's gonna get out at some point because that probably that guy was very menacing in season three. Yeah, uh, until he like till Robbie beat his ass, but something's gonna have to come to effect with that. I'm sure Terry Silver is gonna get a hold of that kid, and uh, you know, or, or the, either that or Kenny's gonna tell him, "Hey, I got a brother that could really help out in overtaking like the valley with the dojo." And that all. could be that. So could there's be gonna be that influence yeah. there. Um, do you think? Uh, how do you feel about the Anthony LaRusso character just overall where it ended? Like, do you still think he's a piece of, like, crap or do you think he's going to end up being sympathetic? Because even, even when he got his ass kicked at the end where you're like, he kind of got what he deserved because after all that bullying he did to the, the Kenny kid, even though Kenny's the one that ended up going right, dark. Going rogue. Yeah. Um, I'm not just because of that for those reasons because his turn was, like, so quick. 
how he was initially the, the bully and then he just kind of started getting a change of heart but i mean that's that's the nature of being a kid like he finally got disciplined by his parents that yeah. that really turned him around because uh daniel was done just putting up with it with giving him the easy route all of the all of the time and just giving him a pass um just because he hasn't been so much of an influence on the series as a whole i don't really have a whole lot invested to him into him to to really have any sort of feelings towards him so i think if they made him more of a focal point i'll have more to talk about in the next season so right now i'm I'm really kind of indifferent about him well that's where i think the series was great because it it introduced this whole new brand new storyline and set of characters where you could I don't, not necessarily spin off, but you got some more seasons in you. Right. I don't know how long they're going to make this thing. Uh, I was watching some YouTube videos with uh, people that were interviewing the creators, and they've talked about the original thing being six seasons, but they're open to more. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it all depends. If the storytelling continues to be good, I mean, sure, why not? Um, but what I left with this season was like, oh, man, the possibilities now of where this could go is just great. Um what else i'm gonna throw something out there and this is just a wild ass just out of the woodwork conspiracy theory but there's a common theme uh between miguel especially with miguel because of the how things are turning out for him and what's going to lead into this new season but Mm -hmm. it's also like it's within johnny too about how he doesn't remember a whole lot or or remember his father oh you think his dad's going to come in at some point I, before this fourth season, I was under the, because it's not addressed in any of the movies either. So I I made sure to pay attention when I did my rewatch of the trilogies. Like I'm under the, I'm I'm almost under the impression that Kreese could actually be Johnny's biological father, (laughs) which would also explain why he has so much, like he invests so much into him and why he feels so much for him. Cause it's kind of like, I, you know, I took you in and and you were my champion and I believed in you kind of like. I've been watched almost like I've been watching you from afar the whole time kind of thing. Like just a wild out of the blue conspiracy. Well, from a soap opera aspect, it would totally make sense. Like as a revelation, like, Oh my God, this big, uh, reveal type thing. I can see it. It's not totally out of the realm. Would I buy it? It depends how they tell the story. Yeah. It's all in how they present it. Um, cause I mean, he, you know, former military, he starts his like, he starts this, uh, you know, this, this dojo, this karate academy, and, and, you know, he's fully invested in this. And then, of course, like, Johnny and his mom, like, Johnny's mom wants a better life. Like, oh, this, this guy walked out on us. So it completely makes sense. Like, oh, yeah. he walked out on us. I walked out because I, I was trying to, you know, to, to build this and, and to pull you in mm-hmm. and to, to have you take over, you know, one day and, and, and carry on the legacy kind of thing. Um, and just play it up that way. And again, because there's so much sentiment from Crease to Johnny, it's it yeah. just I feel like I feel like all of the pieces are there. I guess that would be the only way to redeem Crease. Like that would be like, okay, cool, that's the bridge. Like he's Johnny's dad. Like yeah. Uh, but then he he did try to kill him in part th- in season three, so at the end. But I don't know. Um, the only other thing that I want to correlate with that with the Miguel thing, and this is obviously before Terry Silver even appeared in mm-hmm. the series. Or when they hinted at the dad, it was like, oh, his, my, his dad was a guy who was a very bad man, did a lot of bad deals. First thing I thought was Terry Silver, because that guy was, like, dumping waste, and I don't know what he was yeah. doing. <laughs> they, they they do it as a joke in, in the season four with Hawk and Dimitri. Oh, I looked him up. He just 
dump toxic chemicals? Like, what the fuck is that about? Like, yeah. <laughs> so stupid. So that, in my mind, I was like, is Terry Silver Miguel's dad? But nah, I don't think they're going to go that route. But um, do you think it's going to be a, a whole new character? I don't think it could be. There's nobody else left in the Karate Kid mythos. I mean, the only one left to bring back, uh, like, guy-wise is Mike Barnes. But he was just a... It was just kind of a one-off of yeah. the movie. I don't think he really had much of a connection to anything. I think it'll probably be a, a whole new character. and I hope it's not anything like... I don't know where they go into like drugs or like, he works for a cartel or something like that. I don't know. Are you talking about like Miguel's father? Yeah, I don't want it to go too off the rails. I'm I want it to maybe be like just something where maybe he meets him or he learns maybe he's not a good guy or maybe he is a good guy. We don't know. Like maybe maybe Miguel's mom's lying. I don't yeah. know. Like uh, again, it's all in how they tell the story. Again, I'm excited for it. Uh, whatever it is that they do, as long as the storytelling is good. It's going to be solid with me. Um, Trust what they've done so far. So we did a we did best uh, MVP. We did favorite episode. Was there? Um, you, you had mentioned something about uh, the best. Who had the best arc in that season? I'm torn by that by that one because you sold me on the Tory one, but I also like the Hawk redemption arc. Uh, let's say Tory was red. Re- she had more just, I guess, growth in character. Yeah. I guess, yeah, best redemption or... I think Hawk. I, Hawk, I would for vote sure. for Hawk. Because you buy it. Because it could have... I mean, it could have just been an easy turn. And it's like, oh, he's just on the good guy's side. Yeah. But no, they were rejecting him at the beginning. And even LaRusso was like, motherfucker, you burned all your bridges. Like, what did you expect? <laughs> like, they, they, they rejected him in the beginning. He lost his mohawk, which yeah. was like, for the longest time, his key point. And lost then, his confidence. And then his love interest comes back into his life. And Why can that ever happen for me, huh? Why can I ever get the girls away? These guys. How come Dimitri gets the girls? Guys? Yeah, like the hottest one, like the most right. popular one in school. Like all of a sudden, just empathizes and like, okay, like, and then it just just all of a sudden was like, uh, I kind of don't want anything to do with you. Okay, I kind of feel bad for you, and then like, now I'm all about you, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> um, yeah, his love interest comes back and just totally instills a confidence in him, and it's like, yeah, the the hot was nice mm-hmm. but i didn't like you for the hawk i liked what the hawk did for you and how it brought out all this confidence yeah. and and you know made you more of a you know kind of made you a better a better person because of it and all of a sudden it was like just turn on the jets from there like i'm i know who i am now who are you i'm the guy who's gonna win the whole fucking thing and just jumps in <laughs> yeah that was- i don't i don't think you i don't think you beat that i don't think anybody else has a has mm-hmm. a better you know it, it's like a roller coaster almost for an entire season. I'm interested to see what they do with him also because now he's. I mean, whenever they do the tournament again, and I know the creators have said they don't want to do a tournament like every season, right? But he'll be the one targeted whenever they go back and do it again because they're what juniors, so they'll have like I one more so. tournament I think to do. Well, what does that so? Well, what does that mean then though? Because they they lost, so that means they lost the deal, which means they no longer have senseis. Uh. Well, I don't know because they did a full WWE at the end of that season where um, help me take down. Yeah, he's like, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to disband, but nah, <laughs> I don't honor agreements with men like that. Well, you, you totally lost the loser leaves you leaves town stipulation. You can't just go back on that, but whatever. I could see we're gonna see more. I think angry Daniel and chosen, and they're. I don't. I don't want to necessarily say they're gonna be the bullies, but. I think Daniel's going to approach things more with a 
eagle fang karate mentality where like it's okay if you, to stand up and fight. Not everything has to be about defense. I think uh, I, I I could see it being where they're going to spin it to where kind of like how um, I want to say it was in season three. Because you think this next season is going to be more like season two and three where it was more, I mean, nothing to do with tournaments. It was just all about character growth. Right, right. Street fights or whatever. I, I was going to say I can see it too. I want to say it's in season three. I can see it being like, um, you know, you know, kind of a – Terry playing the smart game, kind of like how Kreese was playing the smart game when yeah. Amanda LaRusso walked in and like was just like, hey, you know, tell your kids, stop bullying these kids. And they kind of just have like a, a quick banter dialogue and then she ends up slapping him and then all of a sudden she's like, I'm going to file a restraining order. Oh, well, actually there is a restraining order filed against you yeah. because you struck <laughs> a, a war veteran with without, you know, without cause kind yeah. of thing. So. I think I think they can use that to the advantage and, and have uh, Terry Silver play the smart game, kind of like he already you had already brought it up. How he said, "I already know how to r- rile you up. Like all I have to do is just get in your head and, and get you going." Yeah. And have um, have them to be the initiators of everything. But Terry Silver is not doing anything wrong. Well, we're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. Like I have the right to this dojo. They're because, being the aggressors. Or yeah, <laughs> you guys lost a bet. You're no longer allowed to to teach karate. I have, you know, I paid for these dojos, and I have the right to, you know, to teach. I I'm just so very interested on where they're going to go with it, and the fact that they already have it all like wrapped up. Like they've already filmed it all of season five. So, because mm. um, I think they got a head start with the COVID thing, but um, I'm just curious to see how it's going to all go. Especially now that there's, because the whole thing was the build up to the tournament. Like now that it happened, like shit, where do you go from here? But that's the brilliance of having those showrunners. Like they know what they're doing, and the fact that they have it mapped out—that's a good thing too. Because they could just be winging this, but no, they have it mapped out exactly how they want this series to end. So right. It's just taking the different routes that we get. Um, is there anybody else from the Karate Kid mythos that you would like to see return? Let me see. Like a Jessica Andrews, even though she was kind of like a nothing character. She was just kind of there. Yeah. Although I I had a crush on her as a kid watching her and that and in Teen Witch. I don't know if you've ever heard of that movie. Um, not as big as a crush as Elizabeth Shue. I think you can't top that. That was like no. the biggest yeah. coup uh, you could get. Um, there's Mike Barnes out there. He's going to factor in at some point. Terry think? Sil- Terry Silver is going to make a call. Hey, he'll probably be like the muscle or whatever. Because I want to see him and Johnny Lawrence go at it. I think that would be a good fight. That'd be yeah, that'd be interesting even though they don't have history. But like, you uh, Terry Silver could be like calling, "Hey, I'm having trouble with this Lawrence guy or whatever. He's he won't get off my back or whatever." I'll, oh, I'll, I'll pay take you. care of him. Yeah, actually, I, that's not outside of the realm of possibility because there was really no resolve to that either. Like, yeah. they, like they, he won the tournament, but it wasn't. Because he he paid he flew him out and he paid him a large sum of mo- sum of money to take out Daniel Larusso and, and he, he wanted stake in the dojo remember that yeah and he didn't hold up his end of the bargain yeah. so there was really no follow up to that like yeah. there was no scene that that you know really showed us any closure in regards to that like oh you don't get your money you don't get nothing from me like you didn't hold up your end of the bargain kind of kind of thing so there there is a small small opening that that could yeah. that could tie into that the only other one left is and I know you didn't watch this one but they they could bring in Hillary Swank, <laughs> who was in the fourth movie, but I mean it. The next it's karate techni- kid. It's technically canon because it has Miyagi in it. Okay, um, that's the only other character that's left. Um, because obviously, Chosen's going to be there in season five, right? I don't. It, there's there's not there's not too many like very. I mean, I mean, it's not a huge series. Movie, or yeah, like that. 
But um, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes, man. And I, I'm pretty sure it'll, it won't drop until right at the beginning of the next next year. Oh, man, we're going to have to wait a whole another year. It was such a great, though, New Year's watch. I think we were, me and my family were right at the, we were right at the season finale when the fireworks went off because I live right here next to Fiesta, Texas. Right. Um, and it was just a fireworks, so we had to pause it. But it was a great New Year's watch. Um, did you um, did you want to bring up anything in regards to um, Carrie Underwood? And her oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about how her coming out in that just solidified like how big this show's gotten like in terms of mainstream popularity. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm so like I'm not a gatekeeper like. I could easily be like, ah, I was a fan when this show was just on YouTube and nobody, like, never thought a second to look at it. But the fact that it's gotten on such a bigger platform and, like, everybody, like, I, all I saw on my timeline for, like, weeks was about Cobra Kai. And I was like, oh, shit, like, I'm so happy that it's gotten all this attention. And the, this cast is everywhere. Like, my YouTube algorithm is, like, the freaking kids just showing up on all these different, like, right. social media, like, doing like whatever segments and it's like man they've created like a whole set of new like these new generation of actors i want to see what they do next like post this like right like that tanner kid who plays robbie i think he's gonna have a good career ahead of him like he's done some stuff like i know the landscape has changed so you'll probably see him in more streaming stuff but you know didn't uh didn't miguel get get confirmed for like something with with dc yeah and that was going to be a streamer but now it's going to be a theatrical movie Mm. so he's got a chance to break out and be a big star Mm -hmm. and that's good for the latino community i always pull for that um peyton list who you know who plays tori she came from the disney ranks so that's how i knew her because of my daughters like that's how they got really into cobra kai was because of her um she i think is going to have a great career um Sam, I don't know if I've seen her in anything else. I think this was probably one of her first gigs. I'm sure she's done some stuff. Um, but again, this whole cast, Jacob Bertrand as Hawk. He's a good character too. And so they, they've, they've done a good job in, in, in developing, just like in wrestling. You want to see these companies develop the younger stars like right. AEW's doing. They're developing the next generation and they can continue on, uh, this legacy or whatever, but. God damn, they're also doing a good job with the legacy characters, so you know, especially without you know, they they're doing a good job of, of of implementing them in a proper way as like a as like a as like a complement to the yeah. main story without making them like the main focus. Cuz really really honestly, and I can be honest about this, if you take away the adult characters, like the kids stories are still just as interesting. Like, yeah. I can do without them like sometimes like there'll be a scene with LaRusso and whoever and I'll be like, hey, cut back to, like, Tori and what's going on with Sam or Robbie. Like, I want to see what's going on in that uh, storyline and more – just more development on that. So so on that note, do you want to do a little bit of uh, what, what we do every now and again with, uh, with rebooking the territory really quick? Sure. So actually, another question before that. So is there anybody – you know, now that the thing, now that this is growing bigger, you know, it's growing out of what it once was with being a series on YouTube Red and it's yeah. getting more mainstream attention. Is there anybody off the top of your head that you, you would imagine or not necessarily imagine, maybe not anybody that you would expect, but somebody that you would like to see like in the mainstream pop culture world that you would want to have like make an appearance in oh, the like series? like an actor show up or something? Yeah, like, oh, like an damn. actor, a music artist, uh, anybody. Oh, gosh. 
and not not necessarily somebody that plays like a major role just like you know she, it, it could be somebody that like like a carrie underwood she just popped she popped in to sing a song right so it she could played be, herself but you would you want like that something else like that like a cameo as themselves or like a cameo as a character um i think just so just so we don't take away too much from what they're already building because i think if you i think if you put in so for for recency bias sake mm. if you put in like a tom holland right right if you put in tom holland as like let's say tom holland is like a new Co- love interest Co- or cobra something. kai's next champion yeah. or something like like terry silver pays big money to get tom holland to come join yeah. cobra here's kai. this fighter from whatever yeah i think you're now taking away from what this show has been building over the course of many years and you're just now the focus is tom holland because it's tom holland because he has that star power well for me it would depend like if if the story is good, then cool. I'm all for it. Like I'm not gonna be like, oh, fucking Tom Holland or whatever. But if you're bringing him in and it's just like, oh, it's just him being the same thing right. that we see in every other whatever version of Spider-Man or whatever, then I'll be sour on it. But I have no reason to doubt these showrunners right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that could also be like a studio Netflix. We want to we want to put Zendaya in there for like whatever reason. Like, right. Then I could be like, oh, whatever. But, like, if we're sticking with the martial arts aspect of it, I mean, I know he played it in the remake, but you can bring in Jackie Chan for something. Like, I don't know, just like, uh, I don't know. Hey, I know this guy who can teach us us whatever, a lesson for today or, right. you know, just a little episode where he pops up. And, uh, see, I would, I could imagine something like that, but could I see something like, Brad Pitt showing up, like no, I'm not gonna go on a limb yeah. and say something. Oh yeah, like that. no, and nothing, and nothing against you know not not taking any way from anything away from Tom Holland, like not, not saying that I wouldn't enjoy him in the show, mm-hmm. but I'm saying like in terms of the conversation of the show, like what you're gonna see on social right, media, right. like the conversation topics are not gonna be about the the moment. It's gonna be about like the person, like holy crap, like Brad Pitt or yeah. you know whoever is in the show, like OMG kind of kind of thing. Well, so it's, it's gonna be a little bit of a distraction. Here's what would get that conversation going. But this person is a diehard fan of the show, and you're gonna like this one. I, mean, I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube, but Andrew Garfield is a diehard mm-hmm. fan of Cobra. Yes, Kai. I think I've seen it in a couple of interviews. And they did like a video where like the cast talked to him, and he was just like overwhelmed. Like mm-hmm. if they offered him something to do in it, like I would be like. It would be distracting because you know who it is, mm-hmm. but him being a fan of the show, just like Paul Walter Hauser was, like was a huge diehard of the show before he got casted, and he made it work with his character. It could be something like that, like just something offbeat. Um, I would totally be down for that, and I, it would get the conversation going, like holy shit, guys, Andrew Garfield's in Cobra Kai or whatever. And even then, when I got invited by Netflix to do that special the screening of the first screening, episode. Yeah. There was a chat going on on the side, and everyone was like, where's Andrew Garfield? Where's Andrew Garfield? And I was like, what the fuck? Like, why is everybody talking about Andrew Garfield? But that was, like, a big part of it because he's, like, a huge fan of the series. And people – I don't know. People are starting to wonder maybe maybe he'll pop up at some point in the show. Right. Um, and we all know, like, he's he's good at lying. Like, it's yeah. he's not a part of something. And he's got he's got a lot of momentum swinging in his favor yeah. now with, with everything going on. So. <laughs> No pun intended there. Uh, see what I did there? <laughs> um, but yeah, so something like that, I'd be cool. Like the Carrie Underwood thing just worked and the song freaking, it's, it's, it's the song that they use in the original end credits of the first movie. So right. it just hit a lot of nostalgic feels. Um, for those of you that don't, are into soundtracks, 
the Cobra Kai season four soundtracks out now, and, and there's two soundtracks. That's how big the season was of just massive scores, and uh, and of course the Carrie Underwood song is on there. So a lot of good needle drops this season with that. The weekend, um, the Rocky Four training montage and mm-hmm. nods to that. Um, they wanted to use, I think, when they were building up Larusso. Doing the Eagle Fang Karate, right? They wanted to use ACDC's Thunderstruck for it, okay? But they got to use Airborne, but Airborne's a WWE band, so yeah. I was used to hearing all those songs. So, um, and again, these these guys, showrunners, I think this is why it's hitting uh, chords with me is that they're wrestling fans too, so they'll throw in little wrestling nods. That was a, that was a big one in season three too, with all like the WrestleMania references yeah. and, and everything. Yeah. yeah the heart foundation teamed up with, I was like, Holy shit. Like this is, <laughs> yeah, this is hitting every checkbox for me. Um, and they, they also wear the shirts too. When they, introduce, yeah. uh, who was it? Penis breath or yeah. penis what, whatever, you know, they're wearing the WrestleMania shirts and the ultimate warrior shirts. So these guys are wrestling fans. And I think they even mentioned Chris Jericho at some point. They and, do. So, a lot of wrestling references. So, again, if you're listening to this show and you've never seen Cobra Kai or if you've never seen the Karate Kid movies, take a little dive in. I think you'll you'll enjoy it. It's a nice little nugget of content that is out there. And there's just so much stuff to watch these days. It's hard for me to keep up with anything or what I want to dive into. But I'm so invested in the world of Cobra Kai and I'm so glad it's in our lives. For as long as it is, I'm going to cherish it. I can go back and rewatch those seasons like nothing, and I'm sure I'll do the same thing when season five rolls around, and I'll rewatch all four like nothing. You'd probably be doing the same. Absolutely, and I think I think one of the best things too about because um, you had brought it up just now. I think one of the best things about the series is if you haven't actually taken the time to watch any of these episodes of the show, it's good for it's good for you to go in as a casual watch. Because it's not necessarily, yeah, there, there might be some heavy references, hidden references from the original trilogy of movies that, that might be, that you might miss out on if you haven't seen them already, but they do a really good job of covering, uh, covering all of their bases and, and kind of explain good, everything, yeah. yeah, in the show. And then you can kind of go back and watch the original trilogy. Because if I'm being honest, that's kind of what it felt like to me because I had not watched the original trilogy in several years. Yeah, I was going to say like – So I went in super fresh as if I was watching it for the first time and I was picking out things like, oh, Cruel Summer, that song, like it's a big pivotal thing in the show. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's actually in the movie. Like, oh, they're dropping one-liners from the show, but they you know, they got it from the movie kind of thing. So like if you had not rewatched Karate Kid 3, do you think the show – the season in itself did a good job of explaining who those characters were that returned and storylines from that movie. Oh, I think one, it did a pretty good job of that. One hundred percent. And I and I think even like just the reveal at the end of season three was was good enough to to kind of you know where where you didn't necessarily have to be be in tune with the movie. You know they they introduced Terry Silver and so you kind of get the the history of that and you know you could easily just go on yourself and do like a like a quick. Um, I don't know, like a Google search or something, and mm-hmm. just kind of brush, bring yourself up to speed without having to watch the whole movie. But yeah, definitely they they factor in a lot of the third movie into season four. Uh, I guess last question I want to ask you, and it's just a hypothetical. Um, just given that we've gotten a lot of uh, development on these characters, and you kind of like don't want to root against them. Do you see them all teaming up at some point? Like, do you see Robbie joining forces with like Miguel? And Tori joining forces up with, you know, Miyagi Do and them 
battle. They end up being like Eagle Fang, Miyagi Do, and they battle Cobra Kai and whoever Terry Silver has as his minions. One one thousand percent, one thousand percent. Because because the the again they're already planting those seeds and and you've brought it up uh, in conversation throughout the the, the episode throughout our, our conversation. So like Robbie's already on on he's already on the fence. Yeah, he's like I don't I don't trust these guys. I'm at the end of the day I got to do what's best for me. Yeah. And Tori too like at the end of the. Um, you know, after the tournament, when she's walking past that office and Terry Silver's with the referee, like, oh, you know, good job on that no call for the out of bounds thing. Yeah. Like, they'll they'll never know what hit them. The money's going to be in your account. So she's kind of like getting a sense of like, okay, this guy's bad news. So yeah. it 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 could get to a point where like, kind of how uh uh kind of like how Crease was doing at the end of season two, where he started doing his recruiting of like right. the you know the the bullies that forced everybody else out of of the dojo just to kind of rebuild redesign rebuild reclaim kind yeah. of thing <laughs> uh, um i i could imagine you know terry silver doing one in the same and, and like using his money to like buy out like all of these big name fighters and just having them join especially now that they're franchising different dojos now you know yeah. having you know filling in the studios or filling in the dojos with all of these big name fighters using his monies and just kind of like weeding out the the robbies and then the yeah. uh the tories I'll even give a nod to Kyler, like filtering out Kyler. I could see Kyler doing a, a face turn too, just kind of like, see that. you know, turning a new leaf. Like, yeah, I was, I was a prick. Like, I'm sorry for. But no if you reason. do that, you have to make him like a punchline character. Like, uh, yeah, he would be like a jokester, mm -hmm. or he would be like Dolph Lundgren in The Expendables. I don't know if you remember that movie. Oh man, where he's like, he's a villain, but then like by part two and three, he's the goofy side character. Yeah, um, I could see that. Um, yeah. Again, I'm, I don't want to speculate too much because these these showrunners know what they're doing, and I'm sure whatever story they present to us, like they've earned the trust of me so far. You know, with four seasons in, I don't think they've they haven't let me down once. So um, I'm really looking forward to the next season, and that's how you want to feel coming out of a show, right? You don't want to feel like eh, they they've done like so much already. Like, what else is there left to do? But they've they've earned that trust of me. Like, I want to see where they take the story next. Do, so, um, rebooking the territory, mm -hmm. uh, because you had mentioned, uh, how you could watch this series and it'll, it'll focus on like what the adults are doing, like what Johnny, what Daniel, what Amanda and, and so on and so forth are doing. But you're thinking to yourself like, man, put it, put it back to, put it back to Robbie and Tori, put it back to Miguel, put it back mm -hmm. to Hawk kind of, kind of thing. Would it have made, do you think, it would have made more of an impact, less of an impact, or just the same if, let's say, all of season one um, was just all Johnny Lawrence. Because Daniel LaRusso was, in, you know, Daniel LaRusso was introduced as, like, the auto guy, and then, like, halfway through when they, like, you know, they brought his car to his dealership and then introduced yeah. him, like, within two or three episodes of, of season one. Yeah. Let's say season one was focused all on Johnny and like trying to help Miguel solve his, uh, his bully problems and really right. focusing on teaching him and his friends how to fight. They make it to the tournament. Uh, in the tournament, they introduce, you know, Robbie and Robbie's making his rounds through the, through the tournament. Like, wait, who's this kid? Like, how does he know, know how to fight? And then uh, the finale introduce Daniel LaRusso as as his as a sensei. That would get and a then, pop. And then they could use season two to explain like, oh, Robbie was actually um 
Johnny's son and, you know, just kind of have that play out the way that it did. And at the end of season two, the big reveal being John Kreese. Yeah, so so, slow burned it like that. So like having each of the adult characters, you know, having having the pivotal parts that they did in the show and, and having it make sense, which they did a good job of doing. But if you could do it that way where it's like a slow build like that yeah. and like each iconic character is slowly revealed like towards the end or like the finales of each season, would that have been more impactful, less impactful or just as impactful as the story that they've told? The if way they, they did it, it as a movie, probably. But the way the way you played it out, like that that would have been. I don't. I don't want to say more impactful, but it would have been like, oh shit! Like, freaking Ralph Macchio came back. Like, to yeah. do this. Like, you could say like it could be like the alley thing. Like that was a slow build, and they paid that off. Like, mm-hmm. And you see how that turned out. Like that was a great comeback and her resolution to her story with those characters. Right. Um, yeah, I would say it would have a little bit more juice. I wouldn't say more impactful because I think still we're still getting the effects either way. But it definitely, if they're going to play this out like a very, very long game, like, yeah, they they could have done it that way and maybe it would have been a little better or just as good. They would have gotten the pops for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be all. Like, if this thing was originally, like, on Netflix from the start, mm-hmm. it would be like, oh, everyone would be like, oh, shit, Daniel LaRusso's back. Or, oh, wow, they got Crease to come back. And, um, yeah, I could see that playing out huge online had they gone that route. It's an interesting way to look at it. It's a nice rebooking there. Is there any? Is there any other way that you would have maybe told? It, would would you have told this story any differently? Differently, knowing what you know now, would you have um, retold the story in, in a different sense or revealed anybody else in a, in a different fashion? No, because there's a perfect balance there. With okay, balance is the whole theme of the show. With Johnny, like you don't want him to be full on like good guy. You want to you want him to kick ass. Like that's right. his, that's his thing. So having LaRusso blended in early to just really counter that uh, worked perfectly because it, it leaves Johnny with that edge and that he gets to have that underdog mentality now. Because mm. if not, what is he really, what is he battling in that series if Machio isn't in that first season? Because that's really his whole thing, right? He's like, fucker, like, he got the better of me in life and I'm going to show everybody. Like, he. LaRusso was the kickstart to him, like, right. just getting his life back on track. So it, it just makes perfect sense for why they introduced LaRusso early. Now, it was brilliant to have him not come in really until the second episode. Mm-hmm. They did that part really well because I remember when the when the first two episodes premiered, I saw that on the big screen. Um, and it was like, oh, wow, this is all Johnny Lawrence. And then the other episode was really more LaRusso. I was like, wow, that's cool how they really did that. But... Who knows how how it would have panned out if it was just a Johnny story season one, a LaRusso centric story season two, an intertwining of Cree season three, and then I mean you could have really like elongated this whole thing, but it's a, it's an interesting way to look at it. But I think it's worked out regardless. Hmm. Anything else? We've talked to, we've talked a pretty good length about this. I don't think we've left anything out i don't think i'm missing anything either um i will i will just say just just for a quick note but the you know one of the things that worked for me too is i'm just a big sucker for like 
anything that involves a, an original story told from the perspective of somebody else. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, there's this. There's um, I don't know, uh, I don't know how much of a fan you are in live theater, or if you're familiar with uh, with Wicked. Oh, it's told from the point of view of, of the witch. Uh, Wicked Witch. Yeah. yeah, so it's like the Wizard of Oz, but in the point of view of the witch. Like I, I love stuff like that. Yeah. So the fact that we got to see this from uh, again. Going back into the original movie where Johnny was was the main bad guy, where mm-hmm. he was the he was the main antagonist, um, and then just having a story told again, not necessarily reinventing the wheel, it's still mm-hmm. the original storyline, just told from a different perspective. Like I'm all for things like that. Yeah. I, I'm all for it if it's told right, because there's times where I'm like, why does this, this why does this character need an, a point of view or like for example, I've never seen him, but I've also never thought really the rele- relevancy of it. But like, Disney's Malef- Maleficent isn't that character a villain in Sleeping Beauty? Yes, like, and I haven't. I I've never really seen it, but why either. would I want their point of view or a reason to sympathize? I get it with like somebody like Darth Vader, where you want to see like how he became that, right? But then also like you watch those movies, like well, you know what his background is and how he came to be mm-hmm. he's not just a menacing threat anymore he's like he's a full-fledged like sympathetic character so right i don't know it, it works but then like you just got to be careful who you do it with like would i ever want to see i don't know who's a good comic book villain like well, well would i, I mean, ever want to sympathize with the joker no <laughs> never I mean, joker was like his <laughs> his the, sto- the telling of his i mean I, well i mean it's not like a it's not like a retelling of anything from his point of view it's more of just his origin story mm-hmm. but i mean crazy enough people do now begin to empathize why he's so because of that movie you know because of joaquin phoenix people right. start to empathize more with like oh this is why joker is so messed up in the head yeah. because you know this is all the stuff that he according to this movie this yeah. is like his origin this is what he dealt with kind of thing but then you take something like and they do this very subtly in marvel but like Thanos, don't they throw around every once in a while well maybe he was right yeah like, exactly what like, like wipe out half the people the, no like you're supposed to hate the guy like i don't want any shred of understanding his point of view like no you're a freaking villain right um but the way they did it here in Cobra Kai, like, it worked. <laughs> like, Johnny Lawrence is not a cookie-cutter, like, villain. There's depth to him. There's mm-hmm. there's reasoning for the way he is the way he is. I think the, I think the reason why they get away with it so well is because at the time, like, he's, he's, not, a, he's not a crease or, like, a Terry Silver who's a full-fledged adult picking on a bunch of teenagers. Like, he, he himself is a teenager. And that, yeah. that's, that's just the nature of being a teen. Like, you're... Yeah you don't really know where you are in your life you're still kind of figuring things out and figuring out who you are and at the very end he kind of like you get that subtle turning of like hey you know good job congratulations you've earned it kind of thing and in the beginning of the second movie like has a falling out with with crease and his sensei so they i think in that in that regards they get away with doing something Mm -hmm. like that because of those reasons all right i think we've done a good amount of talk here on cobra kai which is available all seasons available on Netflix and the Karate Kid trilogy. They just released a nice box set, which I bought. Um, it's got all three movies on 4K, which I never thought I would see Karate Kid 2 and 3 on 4K. I saw the original on 4K released a couple years back, but it's nice to see these movies get upscaled and they look incredible. And I will always revisit them because they're just fun movies from my childhood. And the fact that they've continued on this as a series, like, 
I guess I want to leave on this note. Well, how do we feel? And I and I'm talking about in terms of growth as a character, because Rocky is always Rocky, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's the same good old like, you know, right? He's been the same guy for almost the the movies throughout time. Han Solo changed a little bit throughout his growth. Yeah, but it, for for the most part, he's the same character. Luke Skywalker, a little bit here and there. Indiana Jones, when they brought him back, it's kind of the same character. Is it kind of safe, or I don't know, is it fair to say that Johnny Lawrence maybe is the best developed character as far as like growth and moving forward from where he started? I I'm talking about as a pop culture like character, as a pop like an overall pop like not in terms of just the realm of of the. The mythology of the Karate Kid yeah, and Cobra just Kai. Like, just oh in- shit! Like this character is like way different now than what it was. Um. Yeah, but you could also make the argument for Daniel Larusso too. I mean, because you True. know he's he's kind of you know he started. We talked about it like in the movies. He was just kind of like a he was a wimp. He was a pushover. That he was just also got- an asshole in those movies. Like there was always in that well, a little bit. Character. Yeah, he was he was a little cocky too. <laughs> That's the one. That's the other thing that got me too. Like, how would that have ever worked in real life? In the in the first movie where he uh, he ran into Allie at the arcade and she's just kind of brushing him off because she's mad at him because yeah. of which didn't make sense to me because oh he why was, she was mad yeah he was at that country club and he got embarrassed because the dude tripped over him and, and spilled all the, <laughs> the the sauce on him yeah. or whatever and he just kind of up and left and then all of a sudden she's mad at him. I'm like, wait, hold on, did I miss something? Like, how how does that make sense? But then all of a sudden. You know, he's, he's trying to get all, he's trying to be all machismo because, oh yeah, like, Mr. Miyagi gave me a car, like, I got my license yeah. now, like, I'm all, I'm, I'm the shit now. Yeah. And then she's like, buzz off, and her friends, first, first of all, her friends step in, like, don't you think there's a reason that she would be mad? Like, you obviously didn't stick around, like, she sucker punched Johnny Lawrence. I don't think any, I don't think any group of girls, I don't think a girlfriend would ever, yeah. one, explain that situation <laughs> to a guy that's coming on too strong. Two, he too. He runs into her in the parking lot. Hey, slugger! Like, how you doing? And then she just kind of turns around and just like all giggly and shy with him. Like that. That would never happen in real life. <laughs> I, I I totally see that. That whole little arc there doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but yeah, the the Larusso character. There's always been shreds of asshole. And, yeah, just hey, like man, like. Well, again, again, he's a he's a teenager and he's very stubborn, right? But in Karate Kid Three, you see a lot of it. Like, damn, he's such a he's an asshole to Miyagi in that movie. Yeah, like she's. <laughs> um, so like when it comes out in this show a little bit more, like him him being the successful one and has all the money and the family and all that stuff. Like, right, ah, that makes sense. But the Johnny Lawrence character is like what a revelation. Like, not only is he sympathetic. But he's funny as shit. He's starting from rock bottom. He's empathetic. Like, yeah. hope, like he's good as that, you know, damn, I can be there for you also. Mm-hmm. Um, bit of a romantic with the way he is with uh, Miguel's mom. What's her name? Carmen. Yeah. And then the way he rebuilt that relationship with Allie and, you know, just... Owning up to the what a piece of shit he was in high school to her, like got closure. The way he apologizes to her, like oh shit, like that's all believable. Like uh, the goofiness, like when he's writing that Facebook story to her, 
And Miguel's like, you're not going to send that to her. I was like, hey, that's totally a palace move. I would totally write something right. that ridiculous, and I would have to be talked off the ledge to, to not do it. <laughs> not much. You, <laughs> uh, But it, just everything about that character is like, how is this not the best developed character through all this time that has passed, considering all these characters that we've had in pop culture? Because Batman has, evolution, has evolved into different things. Yeah. Spider-Man has evolved into different things. Um but for the most part, at the core, it's, like, the same character. But Johnny Lawrence is like, really changed, like, throughout uh, this entire run. And who knows? There's even, like, more stuff to come. Like, maybe we'll... I mean, we saw him re- kind of reconcile with Robbie at the end of it. Maybe he's going to be, like, a dad now. Like, right. You know, there's there's stuff to see there still to come. So, I don't know. I'm really... I, I really think this is just one of the best developed characters in, in pop culture and evolution and all that stuff you have you have an argument there sadly i don't think and this is just me i don't see like i mean obviously uh, karate kid is not on the level of like a, a star wars or right right in, in terms of how much weight it has and how much cultural and, and pop culture influence that it has like like a star wars or like like dc or marvel has but you you play a good you, you play a good point with but, overall just development can you argue now that we've had a couple of Marvel shows on TV and a couple of Star Wars shows on TV? Is Karate Kid the best transition from movie to TV series that you've seen adapted? Or is it still too early to tell? Mm. It's a I good mean, question. I, I mean, I really I really enjoyed with what they did with Hawkeye. I finally got around to watching the, oh, the season great. finale of Hawkeye, like last night. Yeah. So I really enjoyed what they did with them, but that's one out of what one out of four, yeah, one out of four that Marvel's done because yeah. they did what Loki, Loki WandaVision, Falcon, and yeah, Falcon. Our, our argument could be made with WandaVision too. But uh, was that like holy shit? Like every episode was just yeah, 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 boom, boom just kind of hit. Yeah. No, there was there was definitely a slow build. You kind of have to get past like the first episode kind of before mm-hmm. it really starts maybe even the second one for argument's sake before mm-hmm. it really starts to kick off yeah i think this one i think cobra kai really hits the ground running um are you talking like best series like adaptation from movie to television or just best spin-off overall well i mean in terms of just like expanding it to tv and then just growing the story forward as opposed to like doing the same thing like hawkeye like i love it it's a great show but it's a lot of the same stuff that we've seen in in marvel projects yeah but i mean cobra kai at least introduces little nuggets like oh shit i hadn't seen that before or this with this character you know just little nuggets to to make it different i don't know it's a it's a nice little debate like like Hawkeye like essentially Hawkeye would have had a better argument against Cobra Kai if Jeremy Renner wasn't as much of a focal point as Haley Steinfeld was. Mm-hmm. Like if you focused more on on you know her her character. Right. Um, crap, I can't remember her character's name at, at the, off the top of my head right now. But if if it was Kate more Bishop. Kate Bishop, yeah, if you had focused more on Kate Bishop and then had little just kind of like trickle in you know Jeremy Renner in there here and there or Clinton Barton here and there, you think it would have had a better case against. Cobra Kai in that sense if everything was the same except just how much involvement Jeremy Renner had well mm, yes you can make that argument but also I came out of that show being like 
I can't wait to see wherever she pops up next. Right. Same thing for the Florence Pugh character. Like, I want to see where those two, like, eventually pop up together in another movie or whatever the next Avengers or. But that's, but that's essentially, that's, that's the goal of it, right? Because you, you want to see, like, in Cobra Kai, you want to see where these kids yeah, yeah. develop into next, so. But see, I didn't feel that way coming out of Falcon and Winter Soldier or, I mean, Loki's like Loki, but the Hawkeye show did a great job in introducing these new characters of the next generation to move it forward. Because I think I think the Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think that that's kind of like to a lot of people, like or I think it's kind of like beaten to a dead horse in, in the in the sense of you know what they're setting up for. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to really. It's kind of hard to really like focus in on the show and and what that's telling because you know where they're you know the direction that they're going to take it so it's it's it kind of causes that little bit of a distraction yeah. and you don't really see that much with with Cobra Kai because you don't really know where it's going to go next right. and they always they have you know the characters that counterbalance each other that kind of push and pull and like oh you at one moment you feel for this character and this character is mm-hmm. the the you know the the antagonist but then it could you know one eighty and at the at the snap of a finger. I guess this is a, this question can be open ended and we can circle back to it once season five comes around. Cause I want to see what this show does when it doesn't have the all valley hanging as it's like end, I don't want to say end game, but like that was the goal. Right. I don't want to see that have as a, as a crutch. I want to see what they do beyond that. And then we could probably revisit this, uh, this question. So there's gotta be, there's actually gotta be a stake then. Yeah. There's, there's actually got to be because the stakes were if you lose at this tournament, you can no longer do something. But there's obviously going to be a continuation, which means they're going to do something. So yeah. there's actually got to be resolve and yeah. there's got to be like there's got to be like an actual finale. Yeah, because if I don't know if you remember, I saw I posted that tweet from that one of the showrunners who said season five will answer the question. What would have happened if Daniel LaRusso lost at the end of Karate Kid 3? Because that was the original plan was to take over the valley Cobra Kai is going to take over the the uh, I don't know if it was the whole world or just the the whole city and Reseda what what, yeah. what is it Reseda and um what are they in Los Angeles or what, what part somewhere. of They're what somewhere. part of like what what's the richer part of I guess north just north LA I don't know north north uh, Beverly Hills North California no it's by the beach we'll just say that. yeah some <laughs> something like that. Right. Well, I think uh, I think I'm good here on our Cobra Kai talk. I'm I, I got nothing else. I'm I'm out of the tank here. We we stretched it out. It was a it's a good conversation. Uh, I'm sure throughout this whole year, I'm going to be revisiting season four plenty of times. Um, such a great season. Um, I I ranked it as the best so far. So I have it four, two, one, and three. But not that any of the other ones have let me down, but I'm just saying in terms of what I got out of the entire season, like everybody had a moment like to shine. Um, and plus it just, as drama, it just grew more. Season three, while it's at the very bottom of my rankings, mm-hmm. it did have the most satisfying like arc with Allie and them paying that off. Like I really enjoyed that arc. Um, but I still have a soft spot for season two. Like season two was just so good. And the way that, that it ended was just such a, a masterwork in how you do a season finale and a cliffhanger. Um, 
I think I think with that I have to actually I have to I have to venture to disagree and I'm going to put two ahead of four. Okay, I and won't then, uh, I won't disagree with you on that. I'm still going to keep one and three in the same spots, but I think I'm going to put two and four um, and swap places with them because yeah, I, as much as I do have a lot to take out of season four, and because season four was the only one out of the four seasons that had the weekend, so you would think I'd push yeah. it up push <laughs> it up ahead. But um, you're not a mark. I know I'm not. I'm not. I know I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. Um, Season two just it had from start to finish everything you know going right and the the continuation of now this this kid who was nobody that actually developed fighting skills and rightfully won a tournament is now you know the city's champion or like the the champion of of uh the valley you know, this under yeah champion of the valley and starting to bring in new characters and starting to plant seeds and and you know develop characters like Hawk and Dimitri and um you know, reintroducing Crease into into the fold and yeah. the continuation of the back and forth between Johnny and and uh, and Daniel, and again the cliffhanger at the very end. And and gosh, even though it's not the weekend, the, that that cover of Cruel Summer, I cannot get over that cover. Such a good song, for sure. So that I think that's that's what did it for yeah. me for season two. I won't argue with you at all. I love season two to the max. Uh, I guess if I did rank it, it'd be like one A. It's one and then one A one B. One that's, A, yeah, that's fair. So it, it's those are top tier, um, and hopefully it just continues to grow, man. That's all. That's all I ask for. Just good storytelling. Um, yeah, that's gonna do it for for our conversation here on Cobra Kai. Thanks a lot to Brandon for coming to do this. I really appreciate it, man. It was just so ready to talk about this and put all my thoughts on. You know, I put my little review up on Facebook, but I was really ready to talk about it at full length and i'm happy there's a lot to put into it yeah and as always thank you so much for having me on it's always a delight to to be here and our you know our conversations can go at great length but i don't think we've ever had a, a talk on on here that's ever just been dull or had have had like brief moments of pauses yeah. it's just fluidity and just bouncing off ideas yeah. so i appreciate you having me on i appreciate it and uh we'll We'll keep in touch as always, and we're gonna go check out some AEW. Finally coming to our town, folks. It's coming so, San Antonio. Finally, so we'll we'll be checking that out, and I'm sure we'll we'll continue to discuss uh, at least all things for from my point of view, all elite wrestling. I'm kind of done with WWE for now. They don't they aren't cutting it for me. So wrestling wise, you'll probably just hear about AEW for me. But they're hitting all the right notes. Um, yeah, man. We'll see when we have you back on. Uh, I released my list of 90s films turned 30 for 1992. I if saw you, that. If you see something there that you want to come back for, there were a few of them that caught my interest. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a rewatch of of some of them and uh, see if they still hit. And if I think I can pull something pull something together to to have a good fluid conversation about it, I may just hit you up. But cool. I I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. I don't think that there's any movie in 1992 that would ever have a good conversation between us as Judgment Day. Oh did. yeah, that so, was. I'm telling you, that episode was so good. I just came back months later and did the season finale, and that was it. Like, I could not follow that up really quickly. Like, it was, it was, that was just a really fun conversation. And, um, I, I, it's actually one of my favorite episodes to go back and listen to. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a great listen, folks. If you're into 90s movies or just movies in general, we did a whole episode on Terminator 2 Judgment Day celebrating its 30th anniversary last year. And you can check back on a lot of episodes that Brandon's been on on this podcast we've done a lot of great episodes together and uh we'll we will continue to do so in the future as long as he will 
accept my invitations, I will gladly always send them out. Always, always. All right, buddy. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. So grateful. Once again, thanks to Brandon for coming on to talk Cobra Kai, man. I can talk about that show forever and ever and ever. I could do a whole season dedicated to Cobra Kai. I could do a hundred episodes talking about that show. Seriously, I could. Um, he'll be back on soon. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up this year. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. I want to give you all quick little updates. Uh, the SM Football Marks has been away for a couple of weeks, you know, some of us have been recovering from illness and also we've been on the back end of the very, very busy part of our, of our work schedules because we, we work in the same profession. So we're, we're catching up with, with our rest and, and all that stuff. We're, we're finally in a season where we can kind of like dial it back just a bit so we can put more focus into this, uh, especially with, uh, deep in the playoffs. So we will have an episode coming up. Later this week, as we discuss all things divisional round, we're getting close to Super Bowl 56, baby. Is Tom Brady going to do it again? Is he going to get back to the Super Bowl? I hope so for my sake because my Patriots are out. So I got, he's the only thing I got left to root for. Um, although Joe, Joe Burrow, he's winning me over, man. That kid's something special. And also season three of 90s films turn 30s coming up. Uh, February 14th, the 30th anniversary of Wayne's World. That's how we're going to kick off the season. And I've booked my special guests already for this episode. I'm super excited. Um, they, they've committed. They've said yes. So I can't wait. It's someone who's never been on the show before. So I'm going to try a lot of that this year. Bring on a lot of new guests. Continue these fun conversations in the pop culture bubble. Um, they're my absolute favorite. Um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a good year. Good year. And, uh, a lot of, lot of fun stuff coming up. But thanks for tuning in. You can find this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button. I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and Twitter through podbean.com. Download the app from Podbean. You can listen to the podcast there. If you're an Apple person, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit subscribe. Leave me that five-star review. Gotta to continue to try to get better. That's what I'm doing, right? I'm just, I'm just continuing to try to improve this show every single time I put out an episode. And just by you tuning in, that, that means the world to me. So just leave me that five stars so that way I can try to grow this thing. And maybe I'll, I'm gonna try my hardest to try to see how I can find a way to interview like celebrities or somewhat, like something. I gotta, I gotta come up with a big interview this year. So um, I'm going to push hard for that as I continue to evolve this show. But thank you for tuning in. I'll be back later this week with the SM Football Marks with Abraham Trevino. So stay tuned for that and have a good night. God bless you.